The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> You're listening to Believe You Me with Michael the Count Bisbing. You know my name yet? And Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Start the show right there. Brian, the fancy man with the pipe. Don't worry. Don't adjust your screens. Anthony Smith will be joining us very, very shortly. But he's late. He's goddamn late, but he'll be on in a few minutes. We're also going to be joined by the one, the only, Bilal, remember the name, Mohammed, uh, Surging welterweight con- uh, contender. Lots to talk about with him. But we got a lot to talk about today as well. Lots and lots of talking points. The guy here that you can see, Mr. Mike Harrington, the M Harrington on social media, I believe, doing a fantastic job compiling the notes. Lots of big news, but I guess we're just going to, we're just going to, what's the word? Something to chaff. What is it? Cut the chaff. Chew the chaff. There's a, there's an expression there. Uh, separate the chaff from the wheat. Nah, that wasn't it, but whatever. Whatever. Harrington, how are you, buddy? Stop pondering chew. and looking at... Oh, chew the fat. Chew the fat. Yeah, that is one, but there's something with chaff in it. But still, right. regardless, <laughs> regardless, let's move on from that silly stuff. Uh, how are you, mate? You well? Dude, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to keep coming back to it, but like we're reaching that like... The end is in sight with the pregnancy thing. So, it, oh, you know, it's, it's nice, dude. We're like nesting. It's very, it's fun. I like it. Uh, it's it's an amazing time. And I'm sure you're all very, very <laughs> excited. And it's going to be life changing. But when the life changes, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I don't need a daily update. I wasn't that interested in my, my own child's pregnancy. You know what I mean? I've talked more about your pregnancy than what I have mm-hmm. my own children to Rebecca. Uh, kidding, by the way. Um, Since 2020. As we as we just whittle away a few minutes while we wait for Anthony Smith and Bilal Mohammed, who are coming on in just a second, in the notes, uh, Harrington, you put that California is experiencing its very own bomb cyclone. Remember, the bomb cyclone, for those outside of America, was this uh, massive cold front that came over all over America, terribly cold winds, snow, blizzard conditions. It, it was awful, and sadly, a lot of people passed away. Um Living in California, Harrington, I can tell you we are not suffering a bomb cyclone. Yes, it is cold. Yes, it is wet. It is miserable. It's an average day in England, okay? I'm very well acclimatized to this weather. Well, here's the thing, though. I, I From what I understand, uh, you are going to be spending your weekend heading north, and that's where it's really hammering down. Like they were saying that uh, San Francisco is getting absolutely pummeled right now uh, with the rain, but you're saying that's that's just what life is in England? Oh, well, it does rain nearly every single day. I guess we're just, you know, we're kind of built for it when it pours it down every day. You know, it's funny you mentioned San Francisco because uh, Callum obviously is at college there and he said uh, everywhere's flooded. Floods like crazy, yeah. So uh, I'm not going north, though. I'm going east, going a little bit east, going to Mountain High. We're going to go skiing up at Big Bear. Uh, with mate of mine and his daughter, but uh, he was like, no way, we don't want to go Big Bear because everyone that owns the cabins, they don't live in Big Bear. They all live down in Orange County or LA or whatever. When we get rain like we have had here, 
obviously in the mountains, uh, that's a lot of snow. He said it's going to be an absolute disaster. So we've rented out a little cabin up in Mountain Heights, going to go skiing for a day. I can't ski. I've got no knees. I've actively got a broken back in two places. Don't think it's the best idea, but who cares? I've never been known for being the smartest or making the best decisions. We're still going to go, and we're going to have a whale of a time. Dude, I went skiing for the first time last year. It is – I don't understand how people do it. That is the – I've jumped out of a plane before like with a parachute, but, like, man, skiing is 10 times scarier to me. Uh, well, well, the last time I went skiing, I think I told the story on the podcast. We uh, – we had some lessons, Callum, Lucas, and I, very formal. Callum, Lucas, and I, we, we partaked, uh, we, we were actively involved in uh, the teaching of skiing, uh, the, the learning of skiing, should I say. And, uh, you know, we, we did the little beginner one. Then we went on, like, the first course, and we're like, yeah, this is all right, but it's a bit boring. Let's try the next one. And we got on the, the cable car, and we went to, like, the, what do you call it? I forget what they call it. The like, Black the Diamond? The Black Diamond. Yeah, we went all the way to the top of that. And we were like, as second we, run ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we almost died. I'm serious. I told this, so I'm regurgitating the story, but it's funny for the new believers because we are growing. And thank you to every single one of you that has subscribed, rung the bell, supports the show. We appreciate you all. Um, yeah, we went all the way up. And as we got, I'm like, this, I don't think this is right. And we're getting high and high and high. We're almost like in the clouds. And we got off at the top. We jumped off the thing. And like, there's only one thing to do then, and that's to ski down the mountain and the slope. It was so steep. It was ridiculous. And we're like, we were there for ages and we were like standing to the side, letting other people pass. Wasn't many people coming up there because it was so <laughs> hardcore. So I'm like, right, 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 guys, I'm going to go first. I'll test it, right, and, and see how we get on. What's up, Re Bilal? Remember the name, Mohammed? What's uh, up, my brother? How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm good, man. Uh, at the gym right now. Oh, shit. Good to see you, man. Always got a big smile on your face. I was just telling a stupid story about when I went skiing and almost died. Have you ever skied, Bilal? Oh, dude, yeah. Like, I feel like I almost tear my ACL every time I do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm off skiing later. I can't ski to save my goddamn life, but I'm like, you know what? There's snow about an hour away. My son's 11. He's going to love it, so screw it. Uh, what's going on, buddy? So you're at the gym? You just finished training? Yeah, yeah. Just finished training right now. Uh, nothing, not really training for anything specific, but, uh, just got done with kickboxing practice. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you training for anything specific? What is going on with you, Bella? Because first of all, this isn't a question. Anthony Smith will be joining in a minute, by the way. He's, he's a little bit late. You know, you know how these fighters are. Um, it's more of a congratulations. Because what you've done in MMA, Bilal, is, is incredible. It really is. You've, what are you now? Nine fight win streak? Yeah, and I fight winning streak right now, so no nice. big deal. No big deal. I mean, <laughs> I think the most I ever won was five, so it's pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. Nine fight win streak, amazing analyst, great personality. You know, you bring a lot to those shows below. So just, uh, just a congratulations on everything you're doing, my friend. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, thinking back to from where I was at the beginning and thinking where I am now, it's like a long road, but then you always think about, those times or those people that always told you, yeah, you would never do this. You'll never do that. Like, uh, it's just a blessing, honestly. And then when you're thinking about it, when you're going back through the whole year and everybody's making their posts on oh, my two 2022 was this, my 2021 was that. And you see those old memories from like Facebook and they'll tell you like your old posts from when you're a Facebook memory. And when I was like an amateur and I was like, wait until I do this, I'm gonna make the UFC. This is my first UFC fight, but I'm gonna be in the UFC. And it just, uh, always feels good when you see those, 
post from 10 years ago, like where I want to be and where I am now. No, oh, yeah, no, I, I do love that actually. When you get the uh, like the, the old reminders of the stories yeah. as well, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that. I always look back at those stories and I'm always cringing because at the time <laughs> I thought it was funny. I'm like, why would I put that out <laughs> to the entire world? Um, obviously, welterweight is a hotly contested division. You're right there at the top. You're calling out everyone from the champ Leon Edwards to Hamzat Chimaev. Uh, this is a stupid question. I feel like I know what you're going to say, but if you could wave a magic wand and have anyone in the welterweight division, who would it be? I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> Honestly, like, I feel like I would definitely want Leon Edwards. But if I'm looking at it from fight-wise and um, which would give me the most attraction, it would definitely be Hamza. I think Hamza's a bigger fight than Leon is, actually. Really? Yeah, I do think he's a bigger fight. For me, for my goals and to be the, want to be the champ, I obviously, I would want to fight Leon Edwards. And honestly, I do think it's an easier fight than Hamza. But when people tell me, oh, who do you want next? You're lying about calling out Hamza. You would really want to want that fight. And I look at people and I'd be like, when I saw Jamal Hill and he had that, he had like a quote or something where he was like, I always wanted to know if if I could do it, if I, if I did belong with these guys, if I was on that level. That's the type of mentality I have. Like, Give me Hamza. That's the guy that everybody thinks is going to be the best in the world. He's he's a guy that everybody he's going to walk through everybody. He's going to be the two two division champion, and I see ways to beat him. I I know that I can beat him. So for me, I want to fight the guy that they think is the best. Nobody thinks Leon's the best, honestly, right now. They think that you know if they're going to fight uh, Usman again, well, Usman was dominating him the whole time. He's probably going to go in there, take him down, wrestle him a lot earlier this time, and keep not let go, take his foot off the gas of the wrestling. So you're looking at that, but they all see Hamza as that guy that nobody can touch, nobody can beat. And I mm. do think I can beat him. So you want to be the guy, basically, to take away the undefeated record and to dispel this myth and this aura that surrounds him. Yeah, exactly. That was that was my always thing with Kamar Usman. Like I wanted to be the guy that beat Kamar Usman. He was the uh, he was the untouchable guy. That was that was his selling point. He was the the dominant champion in the UFC. They were saying that nobody could beat him. Blah blah. And, I wanted to be that guy. Leon ended up being that guy. So that next mm. guy in line is Hamza that everybody thinks is untouchable and yeah. he's running through all of his opponents. But when I'm looking at matchup wild, stylistic wild, uh, wise, I see ways I could do it. Is that because, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way, zero disrespect ever intended to any guest that comes on. Do you think you're calling out Hamza or, or you won that fight because you think right now that's probably more likely than a title fight? Because let's be honest, Kamaru's probably, although I don't think it's officially been announced from the UFC, but it's heavily rumoured. Apparently he might have a hurt hand or something. I, I don't know what's going on there. Ali says it's fake. I don't know. You're, you're managed by Ali, right? Yeah, I'm managed by Ali, man. No, you fucking know. Bro, I'm managed by Ali. I'm calling people from Sanford MMA. Like, I'm trying to get any details. Because, yeah, you see him at these events, and he has, like, a still cast on his hand. And you're like, bro, is he hurt or is he not hurt? And, like, out of respect, because obviously he was a dominant champion. So UFC, when you see a guy lose a a title like that in that way and he was dominating that fight, I'm I'm already figuring they're going to give him that rematch. If he's hurt, for sure, I think that I deserve to be next in line for the title. I deserve that fight with Leon back. We do have history. We have uh, that fight. There's a million people that like, well, the first round wasn't going your way. We're coming off of a year where fifth rounds changed uh, people's lives. Where you saw Yuri Prohaska 
was losing the fight. Fifth round, he came back and won. Leon Edwards, who was losing Alex the fight. Alex Pereira. Fifth round. Alex Pereira. All these fights changed in the fifth round. Yeah. And for me to be that guy that took that fight on short notice, I was coming off of the other fight. When you win a fight, after you win a fight, dominantly, like I beat, when I beat Diego Lima, you know, you're sitting on the couch, you're eating whatever you want. You're doing this, you're doing that. And then all of a sudden they call you, hey, you want to fight in two weeks, Leon Edwards. So it wasn't like it was like a full camp or anything in that nature. So for people to say, well, he was beating you the first round. I'm like, it was a 10-9 first round. It wasn't a 10-8 first round. Yep, yep, I've yep. had fights in the UFC where I got dropped, Alan Jovan, I got dropped in the first round three times by him. And I came back in the third round and mm. almost finished the fight. So I'm not a guy that if I'm losing, I put my head down and, you know, I'll just be like, well, you did have me beat. You won that fight. No, there, there's still the other four rounds for me to come back and win. You're absolutely right. You're, uh, and that's why we have a, a five-round fight in the main event and for titles. And that is the beauty of a five-round fight. When there's three, obviously, you know, you lose one, it's 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 it, the pressure's on. You lose two, you've got to get a knockout to come back. Five rounds, that all changes. And I agree with everything you said. So, and the reason I started smiling a second ago is because, so hold on a minute. If you're seeing Kamaru with, with the hand strap on around, you're managed by Ali. And the case that you put forward, because, you know, let's be honest, you do have unfinished business. Are we seeing Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards for the undisputed welterweight title in March? Is that where your head's at a little bit? Are you waiting for the call? Waiting I mean, for the I'm, contract? For me, I'm training like it. So I'm training like I'm fighting in March no matter what. I'm training like, for me, I'm always thinking everybody's out to get me. So I'm thinking like, if I'm Leon Edwards... Obviously, Leon Edwards would want to take a fight with George Masvidal. That's his selling point. He's a bigger money fight than everybody. But for the UFC, how is that a selling point? Like, you know, Masvidal's on a three-fight loser streak. If I'm Leon Edwards, I'd rather fight Bilal Muhammad than Chimaev if uh, Usman is hurt. And you know, you have an option between these two guys. Leon's a champion, so you'd give an option. Well, you know, uh, if I was dominating Bilal Muhammad in the first round, that's an easier matchup than Chimaev, who's walking through everybody. So why would I not? Why would I say? Yes to Chamayo, but not yes to Bilal Muhammad. Mm. So for me, I'm looking at it like they're going to wait. Somebody's going to wait last second. They're either going to try to give me Chamayo or they're going to try to give me Leon Edwards. And I have to be prepared to say yes. Yeah, so yeah. I'm getting in shape. March is right around the corner. It's not It's not that far away. It's eight weeks. And I'm training like I'm in a camp right now. Like, yo, I got to be ready for either one of those two guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you were to... You know, obviously you've sat down. Oh, you can't have sat down with your manager and discussed it because the, the other guy that your manager manages is Kamaru. So he can't really say too much. But in your mind, what are you genuinely, in, in, when you lie there, when you talk to, you're married, right? Pardon me. Yeah. 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 When, when you talk to your wife at night, what do you say? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things you say that you don't want to talk about here. But what do you say about this fight? Do you say, I'm fighting in March for the belt or do you don't think you are? I mean, for me, I'm telling myself and I'm telling, I'm putting it out there into the universe that I'm yeah. fighting for the belt in March. And that's, that's my thing. And then the fact that they haven't announced the Usman fight yet, it tells me that there is something wrong with them. There is, he is not 100% in there. And I don't care what people say. It's like, they announced a fight in London. That would be like the first fight they announced is Leon Edwards trilogy fight against Usman. But they're not announcing it for a specific reason. And yep. I think that reason is, you know, Usman, you know, well, let me let me see if I could spar actually with this hand. And if you're Usman, do you want to go right into a, a fight camp and everything now? If you're taking time off for your head, if your hand is hurt, because he he was a dominant champion, but it's not like he was a McGregor draw or he was like a, a Masvidal draw. His selling yeah. point was 
he was undefeated and he was dominating everybody and he was running through everybody. So now that you lost, it's like, what's the UFC selling point for you now? It's like, mm. do we really want to see that rematch again? It, I don't think it would really do that well because it's not like it was a close war between two guys. It was you were dominating the fight. It was a perfect head kick at the perfect time at the perfect moment. So the second fight or the third fight you see with them three, I'm thinking that Usman is going to go in there and wrestle him. And if you're a, you're going to take that to London, there's a London crowd going to get excited for a trilogy fight where you're assuming that it's just going to be a wrestling match and he's just going to take him down the whole time. Yeah, it's interesting because well, I, I think the people of the UK are just going to be excited to have Leon there as champion. You know what I mean? Regardless yeah. of who the opponent is. But you're right. If you're Kamaru, the reality is you did just, you know, no no disrespect to the champ. Uh, Kamaru, I mean, you got knocked out. Do you want to rush back with a potentially bad hand? You break it again in the first round and then, you know what I mean? Then you're up shit creek. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Interesting one. Regarding the fight, I, who was it who said this to me recently? It might have been Anthony Smith. Somebody said it. And it was a... Something that I never thought of. The first fight with Leon and Kamaru, it was at altitude. In the first round, Leon did very well, took his back, etc., took him down. And then the theory is that he gassed him rounds two, three, four. It's going to be, uh, uh, you know, sea level almost in London. So the altitude won't be a factor. Or do you think that's just some, some, some theory to excuse Leon losing those rounds? No, I mean, I don't think it was. Obviously, I do think it, it played a factor, but... Yeah. I'm when I'm looking at it stylistically and the way he got taken down and handled so easily, it, it brings me back to their first fight in general when him and Kamaru fought. Mm. I said I just don't think, and Leon really hasn't fought since then uh, a heavy grappler, a heavy wrestler. And those fights after that first Usman loss, he was the one that was taking people down, controlling him on the ground. He really didn't fight a high level wrestler. I don't think he's fought a high level grappler in the UFC besides Usman. And the way that Usman just controlled him, it tells me that that's a flaw in his game. And that's telling me that if he fights a Kobe Bryant, I mean, a Kobe Covington, or he fights me or he fights Tamaya, we'll be able to do the same exact thing that Usman just did to him. And like I said, the, the guys that he's fought to get to the title was Nate Diaz, who's smaller guy than him. It was, uh, RDA, who's a smaller guy than him. It was, uh, Donald Cerrone, who's a smaller guy than him. It was not like he fought, Oh, this guy was one of the best wrestlers in the division. I, I sat there and I fought uh, Sean Brady, who people thought he was the best grappler in the division. Yep. I, I fought Damian Maya, who fought at 85. He's a bigger guy, and he's a heavy grappler. Then you give me uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's one of the best strikers in the, in the in the UFC, and he still showed that he still has it in him because everybody always looks for the excuse after I beat some of these guys. Well, Wonderboy's old. Maya's old. <laughs> but these guys were fought for the title twice, and I feel like the path that I took to get to where I am right now is a lot harder than what Leon did. And Leon is where I am, was where I am now with his long winning streak and uh, he deserves the next title shot and everybody was crying for him to get a title shot. So how come I'm not getting those tears? How come I'm not the guy that's, yo, he beat this guy, this guy, this guy. Then we made a fight down, fight Sean Brady. How come we're not pleading for him to get a title fight next? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. And then when you combine it with the fact that you do have history. The fight did end early round two, right? Due to an eye poke. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Listen, you have quite the case, Bilal. You have quite <laughs> the case. And you're right. Your your path to where you are, the people that you're taking out is unbelievable. Let's just go back to that fight that you had against uh, Sean Brady. Abu Dhabi, UFC 280. And you're right. He did have the reputation as being 
potentially the new best grappler in the UFC. Couldn't take you down. Couldn't get near to a takedown. And you dominated him on the feet. And then was it round three? You got the knockout or the finish? I mean, it was a beautiful performance. Just talk me through that and how special it was. And you trained with Khabib for that camp. I mean, just, just yeah, give us your whole experience. Yeah, honestly, it was amazing. It was it was obviously one of those fights where you take personally because you're like, why isn't the UFC not trying to build me up? Why are they giving, making me fight downward? I just beat uh, Luke in a main event. He was number five. And then yeah. before that, I beat uh, Wonder Boy in a co-main event. He was number five. So why am I going backwards? But they just kept offering it and they kept pushing it. And I was like, you know what? As long as it's in Abu Dhabi, I'll take it. And it was m- me telling myself, I got to prove to these guys how good I really am because everybody thought Brady was going to walk through me. And then, you know, when you're going from fighting nice guys like a Wonder Boy, Luke is very nice. And then you go to fighting a guy that was calling you out, talking a little bit trash to you. Like, those are the fights I get more excited for because, uh, you know, you take it a little bit more personally. Like, I can't hate a guy like Wonderboy. I don't want to fight a well, guy hold, like Wonderboy. Hold on. Was, was Brady talking a little bit of shit? Yeah, he was, like, going on Twitter, like, oh, none of these guys want to find me. Bully B's running. And then uh, when you get his uh, fans from Philly sliding in your DMs all day, like, stop running from Brady. I'm getting, like, a million comments all from Philly guys, like, you're a B, you're a B. You're, like, swearing at him. Like, bro. I'm like, all right, well. You want it, I'm going to give it to you. Be careful what you ask for. So going through that and knowing how good I am, because I love fighting grapplers. I love fighting guys that are going to try to take me down because people underestimate, underestimate my strength and underestimate my grappling. And like I said, I could fight every fighter differently. People just think, oh, well, he's just, it's going to be a wrestling match between two grapplers. I'm like, no, I know that I have way better striking than Brady. I know what I can do to Brady. And when he can't take me down, he's going to break. So that was my mindset the whole time. And training with the guy like Habib, Islam, their whole team is are better at doing what Brady does than Brady is. So when I went there and I'm training in their camps, you know, when you go, when you spar with somebody new, it's different, right? Like you have a different type of anxiety. It feels like a fight, uh, actually, because you're like, I don't know what this guy's going to do. When you're at your regular training practice, you think that. Exactly no. what they're gonna do. They're gonna go for this technique. They're gonna throw a head yeah. kick. They're gonna go for whatever it is. But yeah, new guy. Sorry. Yeah. So every day when I was training with those guys for four weeks, five weeks, it was a, it was like it was a fight. It was a different feel. So every day felt like it was like I was in the octagon. And then having a guy like Habib, who I look up to, and I think of as the goat, and he's sitting there watching me, it makes me think like, dude, I, I don't want to mess up in front of this guy. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of this guy. I don't want to look weak in front of this guy. So it just makes you push yourself that much harder. And I think I leveled up so much that whole camp with those guys that when I got into the cage with Brady, anything he threw, anything he had done to me, it wasn't it wasn't going to affect me in any way because I knew what I went through in that camp. And I think that I was just on a different level than anybody could expect it. That's amazing. It really is. And to see people like yourself and the whole world, how highly they revere Habib. You know what I mean? And it's very well uh, noted that apparently in the training rooms, practice, whatever, he pushes people to the absolute goddamn limit. Is that true? Yeah, li- man. I'm a, I'm a guy that's used to like, you know, I'll train, I'll go for a jog, then I'll, I'll train another practice at night or something like that. But over there, it's like their their first practice is so hard. You're you're going from sparring to grappling. You're, you spar, and then you go to straight up grappling. Then afterward, all right, well, now we're going in the cage for cage wrestling. And then you're still burning out with either push-ups, sit-ups, just normal things, squad jumps. And that's the first one of the day. That's the first one of the day. 
So what does the rest of the day look like? Bro, it was uh, (laughs) literally the rest of the day was me trying to lay in my bed and recover. Then there's another practice at night. And then the the practice at night is like, you know, more technique-based, cardio-based for what you want to do, what you want to implement. Like I said, a lot of those guys are such good grapplers that people don't even know their name. But like at night, I would use them like, hey, can we work on this technique? I got taken out with this early in the morning. And yo, you caught me with this submission. Could you show me how you did it? So it was more leveled up with that. And, you know, doing mid work and everything. But the morning practices were just so hard. And you just see, like, where they say, tell me all the time, like, a lot of the guys, like Will Harris would tell me, like, they look at you in a different way because there's always those guys that want to just come train with Khabib for that for that picture or that uh, selfie. And then they never come back again because the practices are so hard. But the yeah. fact that you want to keep coming back, you want to keep doing it. And I'm sitting there hurt. I'm, I'm sore. Like, I literally caught staff the first week I was there. But like, I didn't want to look weak in front of them. So I just covered it up. I got to practice again. And I was like, you know, I don't want to tell people I'm hurt. I'm tell people I'm injured or I feel this way. And they're looking at me like, bro, you look like you're, you're tired. No, no, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Just because, like I said, this is my first time training with these guys fully like this. So I don't want to look soft. I don't want to be like, bro, this guy's soft. This guy, how is this guy this? Or how is this guy that? So like, I had to help myself to a higher standard. Mm. that's that's really interesting and it does beg the question or start a conversation about you know training like that and that's how i used to train certainly yeah no it was it's how i train i was gonna say certainly in the early days no it was it was the whole time because a lot of people now would say that's overtraining if you're pushing yourself like that every day but you can't argue with the results and i used to have pretty good results like that yeah it sucks it hurts you are worn down but as i say when you look at someone like habib so habib who is you know, generally regarded as the gold. You know, all right, you've got John Jones out there, you've got GSP, but whatever. You know, there's, there's three people, and that's how he's pushing himself, and that's how you push yourself, and you got the results. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, you hit it right on the nose. Like, I'd rather tell myself that I overtrained than I undertrained. I, I don't want to go into a fight thinking I should have did this or I should have did that. I get my confidence knowing that I worked harder than I've ever worked before. I, I know that I didn't cut no corners. I didn't cheat on anything. And when you have a guy like Habib, who, yo, he's doing it. He was the champion. He was undefeated. He was untouchable. I want to see what he does. I go to a bunch of different gyms. I'll go, I'm a guy that's not afraid of cross train. I'll go to Sanford MMA. I'll go down there and train with those guys. Uh, I've been to uh, Safe Saoud's gym, train with those guys. Because I want to see what these top gyms are doing. Because mm-hmm. in Chicago, I have a small gym. So I want to bring back their mentality, their ideas, back to my gym in Chicago. Because whatever these top guys are doing, it must be right. But what I learned from these guys is just like, they go to a point where many people will break mentally and they go past that. And I think that's why you see a lot of their guys don't break mentally. They'll never break in the cage. They'll never, you'll never see one of them put their head down and soft. Like the, it's like an army when Habib walks into the the gym, like, you know, beforehand we're all sitting there stretching out, talking, but when he walks in the gym, everybody lines up. He tells you, yo, you're sparring in the cage. You're sparring on the mat. You're doing this. You're doing that. There's no joking around. And if you're even in the warmups, if you're doing like a, uh, you're doing, we'll, we'll have like bear crawls or uh, crab walks or something. If he sees you do, going soft, everybody does it again. If he sees you not, oh, really? oh. yeah, not fully going at it, <laughs> you do it again because he, and you he, don't want to be that guy. Exactly. If it, the, if it was the army, they're going to beat the crap out of you later on. <laughs> Literally. And, and, that, and, in, and in the MMA gym, they're going to beat your ass in sparring. And that was the beautiful <laughs> thing too, because after every practice, everybody's sitting down in front of Habib and he'll tell you what you did wrong that practice. Like it, like I said, they're sparring the case. Hey, you look soft in there. You look weak. 
what's wrong with you? Are you, are you on your phone at night? Are you talking to people? And he's like putting you on blast in front of everybody. Wow. So if I see you get it, like you're, you're at practice, you're like, man, I hope he doesn't say anything to me. I hope he gives me good job today or something like that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm bleeding. So when he did, you like smile like a little schoolgirl. But <laughs> if he does call you out, put you on blast, like, why were you, why were you, why'd you get taken down? You didn't get up. Are you, you're soft. You, you're weak. We're like, you need to start doing this, this, and this. And while he's putting those people on blast or putting myself on blast, it makes everybody else level up too. Cause I'm seeing mm. these are his mistakes. That means I must be making, make sure I don't make those same mistakes because I don't get put on those blasts. There's some guys too, and he'll take their phone at night and they won't get it into the morning because they look tired at one practice. And they're like, yo, you're probably on your phone at night. Like, he take, hold on. He takes the phones off them. He'll take their phones from them. Wow. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And as I said, it was like, it's a different field. It's a different type of discipline. And the respect that they all have for him is like, they know what he, he says is right because he doesn't have to be there. He's a, he has all the money in the world. He has all the accomplishments in the world. Why is he in this gym trying to teach us and help us achieve our goals? And his time is more valuable than anything. So the fact that he's giving us that time, I'm going to give him all my attention and give him all my, my heart, my sweat, my blood, my tears every single time. Wow, that's amazing. And 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 you know what? You're absolutely right. You know, he's been there, done it, got the t-shirt. He's got the respect. He doesn't need to be there. He's world famous. He's got the accomplishments. As you say, he's got the money. He's not doing it for any other reason than to help these people. If they're not going to listen, then then he'll then he'll go elsewhere. So that's incredible. I'm just curious though, what happens if you're sitting there and you're, and you're doing a breakdown at the end of a class and he's like, what's wrong with you? Why couldn't you get brother, brother? Why couldn't you get up? Why were you on the floor? You could, are you weak? Are you are you stupid? What is your problem? And they say, Khabib, I was trying. I couldn't move. Like you trained Islam Makachev really good. Okay. I was trying my best. I just couldn't move. What would he say in like a situation like that? Honestly, it's like it, you have to have uh, you gotta put your ego in check when you first get in there. Because, you know, like I said, every single day we're grappling. We're starting on the ground. And those guys are so good at holding you down. And, you know, when I'm first rolling with somebody new that comes in your, your gym, you're like, you know, you flow roll or, you know, you play around on your back. I'm a guy that's – I'm not afraid to play around on my back a little bit. But he would just, like, yell at me, get up. This is not jujitsu. This is getting up. This is MMA. What's wrong with you? Stop playing jujitsu. Stop playing jujitsu. And it, like, took me, like, five or six practices to get out of that mindset of, all right, let me close my guard. Why is your guard closed? Everything's to get up, get off your butt. Like if you're on bottom, I don't care if you're a black belt or anything. Like you don't want to be on bottom of MMA, MMA, never at any point. Nope. So he would just like yell at me, put me on blast. And I'm feeling stupid. And I'm feeling like this guy's not even in the UFC. How's he holding me down? Who is this guy? He has like four fights. But like you said, these guys are all training with Habib Islam their whole lives. So these younger kids are so strong and so good on the ground. You feel, you feel like, bro, how, how do I see myself as a, as being a champion? It's this kid's holding me down and, uh, you know, uh, Islam's tapping me out or this or that, but it just makes you mentally, you just have to put yourself in check. Like it's all good. As long as I'm getting better every single day, that's, that's my goal. That's my mindset. Uh, I went with Habib and he held me down for a whole, like, he doesn't do rounds. He goes like, he'll go like for 15 minutes straight as, as long as he can be bothered or till he's made his point. Exactly. Like he was just mounting me and I'm trying to get up. He brings it back down again, mounting me again. And I'm like broken. And Javier Menez comes up to me. He's like, he does that to everybody, but you just got to tell yourself if I make him work 1% yeah, harder yeah, yeah. next time, then you did your job. You, you grow from it. So 
I just had to have that mindset of, I just got to keep growing. Like you said, they're yelling at you like, get up, get up. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? But hey, if he yelled at me less the next day, I did well. I must've did, I mean, it must've did something right. If he yeah. had like two yes, two less yells at me, I was like, all right, well, we're progressive. Oh, you're making me miss it, man. You're making me, because <laughs> that's the kind of training environment that I always loved. You know, when I used to go into the gym and some of the guys would show up talking about back home in England, they would show up, they were joking around and all the rest of it. I'm like, guys, I've driven nearly two hours to get here. I've got a fight in the UFC coming up. You want to joke and everything? Let's do that afterwards. But right now I'm here to train. So when you hear Habib running a ship like that, oh man, it makes me miss it. So I'm assuming he's going to, they're going to play a big part of your training going forward. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm going to, once I get something booked, uh, we were already planning on trying to go to Dagestan uh, to get, like you said, a couple of my guys from down here to go down there and train with them. And that was the beautiful thing too, is like I had Jared Gordon come down and like they opened their doors. It wasn't like, uh, no, 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 no. They don't, they're not allowed to train. Like they were so cool to all my training partners that they came to Abu Dhabi with me and every single guy was cool in there. There was nobody in there that was trying to hurt you or embarrass you or make you look bad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. I definitely want to stay a part of the team. That's amazing. Uh, you mentioned Islam there. Obviously he's got a huge fight coming up with Volkanovsky. How do you see that one going down as an analyst? I mean, as an analyst, I, I think that a lot of people just uh, underestimate how good Islam really is. I think he showed a lot in his fight against Oliveira with the striking because he thought his only path to victory was to take Oliveira down and hold him down, not be able to tap him out, not be able to strike with him. But I think he outstruck him. He landed great strikes. He showed great defense on a guy like Oliveira who's walking through all the competition. And when I'm looking at size-wise, he's so much bigger than Volkanovski. But Volkanovski is going to probably be faster. He throws great combinations. His boxing against with Max Holloway, that last fight, it was like flawless. And he was just so comfortable in the cage, talking trash to Max a little bit, doing what Max usually does. It tells me that he's evolving himself. He's not st stuck with the same thing that he's good at. Mm. So I think it's, it's definitely not an easy fight for Islam. I just no. think that Volkanovski hasn't really felt what it feels like to to be grabbed by somebody like Islam or be held down by these guys. Cause I think it's just different. I think it's, it sounds like a nightmare for what you described. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you, you hear all the, the rumors and stuff where people are like, oh, well, Islam's going to be better than Habib. Islam's better than Habib. And this guys from the training room, you think they're just hyping him up, but actually going with them and seeing how good he really is. And there's days where we're just striking and he's like going with that. And you're like, Oh, then you got striking too. And you just assume that, they're only grapplers or they're only wrestlers or anything like that, but he's good everywhere. And he understands, I think, techniques more than a lot of people. And I don't think a lot of people are good at breaking down stuff. And he's very good at breaking down stuff and understanding when to use different things. So, so I think, oh, sorry, sorry, continue. No, you're good. No, I was just going to say, so basically what you're saying there with Islam being, of course, a hard worker and naturally talented and all the rest of it through the upbringing in terms of his coaching with Abdul Manap and obviously Habib now at the helm. With Habib's help, you think one day he could actually become better than Habib and, and be the new GOAT? Yeah, I, I do think so. And especially you're learning from him. And it's not like Habib's just sitting, a, a coach that just sits on the sidelines and will point stuff out, tell you to do this. this. Like he's in the gym training with us. And he's still at that level where he can still be a champion right now. He's, it's not like he retired because he was hurt or he was yeah. out or hated doing it. Like he still loves to do it. And he's still putting in the round, putting in the work in. And Islam gets to go with him all the time and, and feel him all the time. And 
Habib's not a guy that he doesn't have uh, that that mindset of I don't want you to be better than me. He wants no. you to be better than him, and the, it's it's a I love to see it because the way he was so happy to see Islam win. He's not that guy, that fake guy that's like, uh, you know, they're, they're cheering for you, but then they're hoping you really secretly that you lose, that you don't do better. No, he wants you to be the best. He wants yeah, you to be yeah. two times better than him. And it's just a different type of brotherhood. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I can see that. I mean, Islam, the first thing he did, I mean, he would have put it over on Abdul Manap's waist, he said, but Habib was there. First thing he did was put it around his waist. It was a beautiful moment. So, man, it's going to be a hell of a fight. Last question on that one, Volkanovsky. And I kind of said this. I asked Volkanovsky first. Oh, thanks for joining us, Mr. Anthony Smith. Stick Bilal in the middle. There we go. There we oh, go. What is, what is this, Anthony? Just, you know, just casual turn up whenever you want Thursday? <laughs> no. I, I don't know. I was reading our text and it said something about like 1.30 Pacific time, but I'm in Denver. So like my lazy ass was like, oh, I'll just make my way slowly back to the Airbnb. And I was like laying around on the mats and then Brian called. He was like, hey, you coming? I was like, yeah, it's like an hour and a half, right? He was like, no, like right yeah, now. Yeah, like, you said that. I'm like, bro, we start in two minutes. Uh, well, you just missed the best and the most scariest sounding training sessions and training camp you've ever heard of in your goddamn life. Uh, Damn it. Yeah, yeah. This, Bilal really knows how to train for a fight, Anthony. Come on, man. Uh, what was I going to ask you? I was going to say Volkanovski thinks, uh, and I posed the question first, that with him being shorter, you know the drill, a shorter guy with a lower center of gravity, Bilal, harder to take down, generally in my opinion, because, listen, I'm not the best wrestler, but that's what I found. And Volkanovski does think that will help him in that fight. What do you say to that? I mean, I think it will help him in certain scenarios. If Islam was a, a shooter, if he was shooting double legs on you, but Islam's a, a upper body guy and he can do it all. I think he he has so many different types of takedowns where they'll figure it out. Like for me, I, I think I have great takedown defense, and I and when I was in the cage with him, and I I'll defend this takedown this way, or I, I'll be like, oh, I have an answer for that. He'll always have another answer to everything that I would do to him. So he always had a counter to my counter, and when you see him training with so many guys. Uh, guys that were on a Russian Olympic team, guys that were gold medalists. And like I said, just the, the guys naturally that they have in that room, uh, I think he'll just have an answer because there's so many different body types in that room. He'll understand what to do. And then once he gets him down, I think it's just going to be hard for Volkanovski to to get up five or six times because this lamp can take you down five times in one round. You pop up, all right, he takes you down again. At some point, mentally, you're going to have to tell yourself, like, all right, well, I'm going to have to stay on this ground then. Man, I've been so interested to ask you this question. I hope Mike didn't ask it already, but I mean, know, I mean, I'm known for asking the best questions. But you ahead. could be, you could be. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's it's one thing to watch Islam on tape and watch Habib on tape and watch it break him. You, you work the desk. We work the desk plenty of times together. Like we can look at something and think maybe we know why they're so great or why they're struggling here, whatever. But what is it that makes? guys like what well, just specifically those two guys habib and islam what makes them different and and i i think as an analyst yourself i think you and in being in the room with them and wrestling and and you know that's kind of your game anyways is is that high pace grinding take you down beat you up if you get back up take you back down again what makes them different from anyone else you've ever been around um what makes them different i think they just have their mindset they're just so strong mentally where like i said habib there's not a let's wait for the bell to ring and then we'll start the next round. No, it's like if he didn't get you down when the bell rang, we're, we're going we're continuing on to the second, third, fourth round. He goes to he sees you breaking. Like I went with them and it would be like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. 
round and I'm like, all right, the, the bell rang like six times. Like, what are we going to stop? But <laughs> they had that mindset. It's like, yo, we don't go to the bell. We go to, you either get tapped out or you break. Islam, I think he's obviously learned the same mindset of Khabib, but Islam is like way nicer with it where he'll, he'll tap you out a lot quicker than Habib. Habib will want to drown you. He'll, he'll want to, he knows that he'll have to push you to these limits and where he'll want to see you. Let me see if you're going to give up on yourself. Let me see if you're just going to tap out because I'm mounting you and I'll turn, I'll give him my back. And he's not even going for the rear naked choke. He's just holding you there, pushing your head down to the mat. And it's like, you're looking at yourself like, bro, like how am I just getting treated like this? But I'm going to keep he's fighting. Just I'm going to keep going. You. Yeah, yeah. It's like a torture. Yeah. You don't want to look soft. <laughs> So you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's how their practices are every single day. Every single one of the guys in their room, they've been through that breaking point. And Habib has to pull every single one of them through that breaking point. So if he has to do it the next day, they're a little bit tougher. He has to work a little bit harder. It's not like he goes a little bit softer. He, all right, well, you, you leveled up. I'm going to level up again with you to show you that you're still not on my level. And I think that that's what it is. Just those guys in that room, there's no ego. It's just they're pushing each other to – breaking points every single day and every single practice is so hard where in Chicago or something like that, you know, the easy round to go with, you know, all right, right. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit sore today. So I'm gonna go with Mike. He's, 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 whoa. he's softer. Whoa. Right, whoa. Up. It's a random name. You're going to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> One eye, no knees, broken back, semi-retarded. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you like, you know, I could go with that, that guy because I'm feeling a little bit sore today. Like in their, in their room, there's no round There's like that. Every round is hard. Every round is difficult. And every round, they're going to push you because they don't want to lose a second. Like I was telling Mike earlier, like, you know, when you go with different guys, you roll with them, it's like, yo, let's have a flow roll. There's no flow roll. They want to win every single minute. They want to win every single round. And just changing that mindset made me change my mindset here in Chicago, where it's like, I'll play guard a little bit too much. Or I was like, oh, let's have a little bit of fun here. But it's been five minutes and I was on my back the whole time. So I lost that round. And that's how they see it. It's like, well, there was a couple of, I brought a kickboxer with me to train with Habib and them. And he was kickboxing one of their guys. And he was, the guy was like, you know, it started becoming the ego contest where they're, where they're banging with each other. And then Habib stopped. He's like, what's wrong with you? Your wrestling is 10 times better than him. You take him down. He's like a baby. Why, why are you trying to strike with him? There's a chance for you to get knocked out. I don't care if this is fighting or, or sparring. You win the round. You win every single second. So take him down and finish him like baby he is. And my boy's looking at like, is he calling me a baby? And I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but, actually, you should have heard what he expert, uh, told us about before. Just like the breakdown after every training session, Khabib goes through it all, what they did right, what they did wrong. Basically, you know, it, it sounds incredible. It really, really inspired me and made me miss. <laughs> like, basically, you suck everywhere. And the only good thing you did is you're still awake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's having us sit down in a circle and he, they're like, hey, you did this, this, this and wrong and sparring. Why'd you do this, this and this? He's talking to you like a coach should be talking to you, but it made me bring that mindset back here to Chicago. It's like, why, why are we wasting practices? Why is there just practices where we just go in there and don't have a, a, a method or a thing that I want to get better at. And I think that's a, that's what they all have. They know the, the blueprint to win. It's grappling. It's wrestling. So we're grappling every single day. We're wrestling every single day. And when one of their guys falls off of that game plan, yo, you got outstruck in that sparring session. You just lost. So if that's your check, you just lost half your check because you fought so stupidly. So it is it a lot very, of drilling or is it a lot of live goes and like positional stuff? Uh, we're, we're basically sparring every single day, but there's like, there's hard sparring for where you're in the cage and 
Coach Khabib's on one corner and then uh, Coach Javier's on the other corner and they're like making it seem like a real fight. And then the other guys outside of the cage on the mats are just doing lighter sparring, which is not really lighter blah, sparring. Blah, blah, blah. It's okay. If, if Anthony wants to know the answers to these questions, he's going to have to watch the interview back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We've been over all of this, Anthony. Oh, okay, this is okay, what you sorry, get for showing sorry. up late. I, uh, Mike, I'm out here trying to make a living for myself. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm in Colorado. It's snowy. It's cold as shit. I'm in an Airbnb. What are you I'm doing in Colorado grinding. now? I'm training. You're on blue. Oh, of course, you got a title fight potentially to fight for. <laughs> what are you doing there? Um, yeah, Mike's like, why aren't you at home waiting on me? Why aren't, <laughs> why, why, why aren't you just putting your feet up like I am? Uh, Bilal, so Bilal was telling us before, hopefully in his mind, he's fighting Leon in London because, you know, we're still waiting on nice. an announcement. So he's training as if that, uh, if that fight doesn't happen, Bilal, I'm assuming you want a Hamza, a Colby, one of the big, big names, right? I mean, you have to. It has to. If it's not Leon, it's got to be one of the next top dogs. Yeah, I think if if it's not Leon, I think it, it definitely has to be Hamza. If he's for sure. Ooh, is there a rift there? Is that going to be weird with Habib and all them because of their connection? I know they don't really Ooh. train together that much, but is there, you know, like when you were in the octagon, I think you were talking about Hamza and like some of your media stuff. But you were training with Habib and Islam. Was that like a a weird kind of? I mean, it, it, it's not really because I think it's more so for. I'm getting a lot of it with people like, "Oh, why are you going to call out another Muslim? Muslims shouldn't be fighting Muslims." But I'm looking at it like we're both fighting for the same goal. The goal is the is the goal, and I don't look at it like I have to hate you to fight you. Like, right. At the end of the day, you get more respect for guys after you're in the cage with them and fight with them. Like, we don't have to have a beef or anything like that. But we both want the same thing. We're both at that level, and. Habib and them don't really train with them. They never, they, they don't train with them at all. Obviously, they had issues, but they got uh, reconciled. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's like we're all going for the same thing. And if me right. and Hamza do get signed, I think that it won't affect Habib and them at all because they're with me. They're they're riding with me. Hamza doesn't train with them, so like I don't see no uh, countering or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah, that's we, the one. That's the one you want. That's it. That's the one I want. And then, even like I was telling Bisming earlier, I think that he is probably the biggest fight in the division and maybe the UFC right now. And Why him over Colby? Because he's the guy that they think is untouchable. He's the guy that they think is unbeatable. And my mindset always is like, so many people count me out with everything I do. They, they, they don't think I, I belonged here. They don't think I belong in the top five. They always have a reason, uh, excuses for why I win fights. And... I think that I'm at that level where I can be a champion. I can be untouchable and I, I can beat the best guys in the world. So beating him, proving that I could beat Hamza, there's no excuses for that. There, there's nothing. Wonderboy was old. All you did was wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Maya was old, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Sean Brady, people were threatening his life, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, well, if I beat Hamza, what excuses could there be? Like, there's, there's nothing None. else to stop None. me from doing it. And beating him, like, it's kind of like as good as winning the title fight because they people are seeing him has this next goal, this next yeah. uh, Robocop that nobody can touch. So I- I'm going to let you go on this one. He came out recently and said that four people have turned him down. You must have saw this, right? He said, yeah. Everyone's a bunch of cowards or whatever. Said four people have turned me down, right? What do you say to that? Bro, I, I like I commented on there and I was like, bro, the four people were probably like, they probably offered the fight to, to Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, Chris Lieben. I was like, who are these four people you like you offered the fight to? I'm like, yeah, I was like, who are these four people? Like, put them on blast. Sergio Pettis. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he's getting to the point where he's kind of like a McGregor where he'll just tweet out knowing that it's going to get attention. People are going to run with it and he can say anything he wants and there's going to be articles about it. So yeah. you're getting to that, that, that Twitter fingers level. Obviously <laughs> he's not Twitter fingers. So he's really good. But when you got guys like McGregor or somebody where they want that attention, I think he craves that attention too. So he'll just say stuff like that. I mean, Costa called them out. I called them out. There, there's guys for you to fight in both weight classes. So who are these guys that you're saying said no to you? Because yeah. you're not afraid to put guys on blast. Put them on blast. Yo, I, they offered me this guy, and he said no. Like, you already said Alex Pereira said no to you. Like, I don't think Alex Pereira would – why would Alex Pereira take that fight on three weeks' notice after fighting Izzy and you wanted it for the title fight? Like, it made no sense for Pereira to take a fight like that on a no. short notice. So I think that's why I think he just does stuff yeah. just to do stuff and just to be the, the Twitter trending. Yep. And, and, and uh, hey, it's working for him as well. And of course, no, yeah, I mean, you said, working, yeah. he backs it up in the Octagon. He's not just Twitter fingers, as you yeah. say. But listen, Bilal, we're so gl- grateful for you joining us. Really appreciate it, mate. Love talking to you. Uh, Anthony, you got anything to say to say farewell? I mean, he did disrespect you, Bilal. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he, Bilal said in the group chat, he said, as long as you guys aren't late. Okay, he said, that's one thing. <laughs> You know, he said, I, I don't deal well with lateness. But He's on Brazilian people time. <laughs> what, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Brazil. I have to fit in. Well, there you go. I got to exactly. fit in. No, well, man, was... it was good. It was good seeing you. Uh, I hope we get to work together sometime soon. Yes, yeah, uh, my brother. Yeah, I always have a good time on the desk with you, so. Awesome. Bilal, yourself, you're the brother. man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, I hope you get that big fight, either Hamza or Leon. And, well, no, I hope it's Leon. You bloody deserve it, man. You really, really do. So take care. All the best. Good luck in training. We'll see you soon. Thank you, brother. Peace, Take care, man. Take care. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, mental health has never had such a uh, big spotlight on it than what it has now. But the reality is people suffer. People are still suffering. And sadly, suicides are still happening all the time. Uh, That's why talking to somebody really, really comes in helpful. And that is what better help offers. Listen, people are busy. People have lives. People can't travel to the other side of town or whatever, you know, but we have these phones in our pockets. So that's what you can do. You can FaceTime essentially with a therapist or you speak to them on the phone, whichever one works. So you don't have to sit in traffic. You don't have to go and have an awkward conversation. If you don't like uh, the professional counselor that they match you up with, then you can uh, just switch very, very easily. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. So it's very, very easy to get started. So listen, if you have something that's on your mind that's preventing you from being the best you can be, if you're having suicidal thoughts, if you're having any kind of issue, you know, speak to somebody, reach out. There really is no stigma. And this is a very easy way to do it. You know, as I say, it takes away all that awkwardness. It takes away the research. You just go to betterhelp.com forward slash believe you can join over 1 million people that have taken charge of over their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Okay, betterhelp.com slash believe. That's the website. You're going to get 10% off your first month. Listen, you know, you know, if you're listening to this, there's something eating away at you inside. Do yourself a favor, confront those demons, talk about whatever it is. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash believe. You will get 10% off. What's up, Anthony? How are you, buddy? What's up? I'm okay. I'm not going to lie. Don't lie. I'm fucking terrible. Oh, I'm I'm, I am like a dead body. I am so beat up. up. 
<laughs> so beat up. As you got along in your career, did you like have a tougher time getting warmed up and ready to train? As training camps would progress, I did, yeah, because that's generally a sign of overtraining, you know. And we were just talking, yeah. to, I mean, we just talked about that a minute ago because he was saying, Khabib, every single training session, even the first one of the day, they're doing sparring, then they're doing grappling, then they're doing all this crazy, and then conditioning and push ups and sit ups. And, you know, I was like, well, that sounds like overtraining, but that's how I used to train, you mm -hmm. know, and. You know, now there's there's so many sports scientists involved and, you know, you know, there's people looking at graphs and equations and taking measurements of your heart and this and that. You know what I mean? A lot of the time, though, they're forgetting about good, old-fashioned, hard, goddamn work because that's what you need to do in this sport and that's what separates the men from the goddamn boys. So what you're probably feeling, Anthony... It's just what happens in a training camp. If it's a yeah, good old-fashioned training camp, it sucks. Man, it's like I'm leaving the last session of the day going, all right, 14 hours till the next one. <laughs> it's fun, though. I'm having a good time. It's I'm getting some really good work in. It's 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 good. And it, it's the first time I've been in altitude for a while. Oh, so, that'll be killing you. Yeah, so it's killing me. It's just oh. tough to stay hydrated. You know what I mean? Like you kink your neck and you sleep like shit and, you know, it's like um, one training session to the next. And it's like train, eat, take a nap, train, eat. Like it's just I'm sleeping and dying. Hey, well, 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 <laughs> it's well, listen, good though. I, I mean, I do forget that you are in a training camp for a potential title fight. So thanks, so thanks for joining us, Anthony, mm -hmm. making it happen. Only busting your balls. You know that. Um, oh, yeah. Are you like this though? Because I always remember typically a training camp is eight weeks. Train hard seven weeks. The final week is, you know, it's fight week. You fly to the you know, the venue, whatever. When I would have that final sparring session on week seven, right? I would go, yes! And I would literally say, because that's it. The hard work is finally done. The agony of getting out of bed every morning. Uh, uh, you can hardly walk. Yeah. Your legs are killing. You're stiff. You're sore as hell. It's over. Because people don't realize how hard it is to get through a training camp for a mixed martial arts fight at the highest level. Yeah, I do the, I do this, you know, we do something a little bit different. They don't ever let me spar that last week oh, and it, it drives me, smart. it drives me fucking crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy where you, you know, if you, like you said, if you got eight weeks, you train seven hard, but I only spar six. So like they back off even the, the flow sparring and the moving around. And by the end of the week, by the time I get to fight week, I'm like, going insane because you're used to those hard rounds those hard sparring rounds and it it, it makes you it's weird it's a it's a mental thing it's not a physical thing it, it makes it, you hungry it makes you want the fight though. yeah you're just chomping at the bit you just want to fight just and, it, and you're not getting it you know it's like you're not burning off that extra aggression or, or whatever it is so but yeah i'm the i'm the same way that last training session but when i'm done like oh i fucking made it <laughs> i made it this is why if we did this, if we all lived in the same area and we did this in a studio, you know, we could just rip Harrington and Brian's heads off. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when, they, when they act all tough and whatnot, you know, when, mm -hmm. when Harrington claims, I've been through a training camp, we could be like, get over here, you prick, and just choke him out unconscious. <laughs> Speaking of which, Harrington and Brian, show yourselves, please. It is the Believe You Me podcast and you are both a part of the show. How you What's doing, up, boys? Brian? How you doing? doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, Anthony, 
we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, do I want to know, where do you guys want to talk? Bro, bro, what right. do you mean? Jake Paul signed with the PFL. Okay. Uh, not for real, though. For real, for real? Not for I real, mean, for real. It, like, it's as it real like as he is a boxer. Well, yeah, maybe. But isn't it like he's he's doing like a, a certain special division where it's like a yeah. YouTube pay-per-view star which is nonsense because how does that work? Because he's advocating for, for more money for all the fighters, but yeah. only in the division that I'm in. All you other guys, you're fighting for 20 and 20. You you mm -hmm. you carry on doing that. You carry right. on doing your 20 and 20, but I'm going to get 50% of the revenue minimum. I mean, that's... Insane shit. He's, it's other big pay-per-view stars like YouTube guys. So he's not... Again, he's giving more money to, to people that already got money. No, I know. Exactly. He's so... It pisses me off. It pisses me off. It's such a sham. It's such bollocks. Uh, we've also got... I mean, I mean, we've got Ilya Taporia getting into a fist fight in a bar <laughs> in Spain. We've got... It's a nasty one <laughs> Murdering his wife potentially. <laughs> what else have we got, Harrington? What else? We got big stories, Harrington. What else yeah. have we got? I mean, there's also you know there, there's some non MMA in here too. I don't know if you want to to, to jump into that. Uh, well, but yeah, I mean, this is MMA. What is the best non MMA that you've got? Well, I mean, probably. I mean, this this everybody's talking about what happened on Monday night uh, live on television uh, uh, on Monday night football. Uh, Demar Hamlin, it, seemingly a routine play, went for a tackle. Uh, uh, yeah, got his got his man down, stood up, and then immediately let's look at this collapsed look back at, down. Oh, uh, it's, it, it's kind of grainy. Just watch it again. He gets up, he falls over. Oh, hold on, hold on. watch it again. Look, boom, helmet head first to the face is that not illegal I, I don't watch a lot of football i think you do anthony as well is, is that not illegal to tackle someone like that no no he was tackling the ball carrier so um it didn't even look like the helmet was that hard of a shot he did take a pretty hard shot to the chest and i think the bills the buffalo bills twitter tweeted out that he had a heart attack so it sounds like it's something to do with the impact of, of his chest and um, my wife's a nurse and I got some friends that, that are in the medical field. And, and again, I'm not speculating cause I don't actually know, but there's been other instances where people have taken blows to the chest, like right to the heart. And if there's in a certain, um, like millisecond that it happens when your heart is beating, it can just stop your heart. Oh, wow. Uh, it's happened to baseball or it's happened to pitchers where they throw a pitch and the batter hits the ball right back at the pitcher, hits him in the chest, and the heart stops. It happened to a hockey player, like in the 90s. Um, he took a slap shot to the chest and just kind of looked like the same thing, just passed out and, you know, like it rushed from the hospital. But um, so I don't exactly know. It sounds like it's something with his heart from the just that blow, which is, you know, I don't mean anything by saying this, but it wasn't that hard of a uh, of a tackle. You know, you see the – Yeah, sure. It doesn't necessarily – yeah, you, you're not, you're yeah, not downplaying it, the incident. Yeah, so it just you see it's a look like a regular, you know, football right, tackle. Right, um right. but just the I you know, I was watching it live and, and oh you were and you just don't see shit. Like you see guys get hit hard, you know, if they take a shot to the helmet, and you can see guys when they're out and unconscious. And like to me, I'm used to seeing people unconscious all the time. So it's like, oh fuck, that guy's that guy's out, out. You know, they see yeah, their hands yeah. are all postured or the way their body is, they're like I, it's never even occurred to me for that to be a problem. Like, oh, that guy's out. He's going to be out for a little while, you know? So, but the way he fell after getting up was really bad. You know, it was just nothing yeah. I've ever seen in, in football or anything like that. And, and the reaction of all the teammates around, they were just mortified, you know? Like, again, it's different, I think, for 
me personally, because I've seen some pretty crazy shit, but, and not just in the sport, just in life. But mm. if you've ever watched anyone have CPR done to them, it's violent and it's really hard to watch. And it's something you'll never forget. Like the reaction to the body when you're, I mean, CPR is breaking ribs and sternums and, and it's I, terrible to see. I did it. I did it to somebody. It's awful. I saved his life in the end. Yeah. He was dead. And in the end, I was just smacking his chest. And the final one, <laughs> he kind of came back alive. But uh, so I, I just feel bad for his teammates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they had to see they, people look at football players like they're grown ass men. They're not all grown ass men. Some of them are in their Young. early 20s. They're, yeah. they, they've spent their whole life. Well, oh what's going God. on? You, you look like you saw a ghost then, Anthony. Oh what did God. you just see? What did you see? Holy fuck! That scared the fuck out of me. What? Huh? I thought what? I was about to. I thought I was gonna have to fucking get in a fight. I, I'm sitting here and I hear like the door of the I Airbnb is unlocking, and I was like, "Who the fuck?" It there's a you know the little the old school mail slots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the oh mail God. lady Anthony? Anthony, listen, oh I'm, I'm pretty jumpy, honestly. I'm very jumpy. Sometimes my phone rings and I'll go, ah, it's literally designed <laughs> to ring. I, I honestly, I am that guy, but I don't think I jump at a letter coming. No, it sounded the like the door. Box. I mean, you know how it is when you're at Airbnb, like in a guys, new place. And we all just witnessed it. Anthony Smith, you have a tough exterior, but deep down, you might be a pussy. Maybe. Well, I was like, <laughs> I immediately started thinking like, what can I use? Like there's yeah, like yeah, gotta yeah. be a weapon. I thought someone was breaking in. That's you what I thought. I thought someone was breaking in here. You would have had to, on principle, killed that person on camera. Yeah, for sure. It drug him all the way over here. Yeah, just just, just, just turn the laptop around so we can Fuck, see. Fuck! It scared the shit out of me. Ah, and, then, and then it's like the little thing flopped open, and then like mail went through the thing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh my god! It's just the postman. Uh, you know, go go go. That's gonna back. be. I'm gonna get roasted on the comments for that. But, oh no, it's hilarious, man. That was the best moment of the podcast ever. Uh, going back to the story about uh, uh, Demar Hamlin. Um, Jay Glazer put a Instagram post out this morning of a tweet and Harrington, you can read the tweet out fully in a minute. And this is just incredible. Uh, he came around and apparently the first uh, communication, cause I don't think he could speak. The first communication was, did we win? That's all. That was the first thing he wanted to know. Did we win the game? But Harrington, give us the breakdown. Uh, yeah, uh, Jay Glazer, absolutely amazing. DeMar Hamill was, was able to communicate by writing and ask doctors, did we win? They told him, yes, you won the game of life. Keep those prayers coming. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Incredible. You know, That's you probably said, the last thing he remembers. Oh, I'd say so. I'd say Just so. Being, being in the football game. You said something very interesting a moment ago, though, and, you, uh, and I think you are correct. Because of what we do, not only as fighters now, but of course, analysts, commentators, just being around this sport so much, we're definitely desensitized mm -hmm. to seeing somebody knocked unconscious like that. And when I see someone, when, like when I'm commentating a fight, it's even more raw. And I think because it's right there, there might be three feet away on the other side of the fence. It's more impactful than if I watch on TV. But I think in general, you're right. We are kind of becoming a little bit more desensitized to see somebody having their lights turned off. Yeah. For, I mean, it, it sucks to say it because it makes us sound like we're crazy, but you know, it's, you know, I've been in this sport a long time and in like very grassroots in the Midwest. So like, I've seen 
people have CPR done to them because the referees holding on to ch- or letting guys hold on to chokes so too long. You know what I mean? Like when it was barely sanctioned, I've seen amateurs paralyzed from slams when they're stuck in a guillotine. And then that, like, I still see that guy's social media sometimes he's, you know, like he's in a wheelchair using a little blowy thing to get around. Like I seen that like in person. So we are a little bit desensitized because of the violence. Like football is very violent as far as the impacts and, and the collisions, but you know, that's, that's not the idea is to hurt people. And no, no, no. So we're just in a funky ass sport, but it was, you know, I thought a lot about his parents and the the players that had to see that and like what it would be like, you know, having to go back out and play. And it just, it's sad, man. He's a young kid and not for nothing. Like 20, 21, 24, I think it's 24, but not for nothing. He's, he does a lot of like community outreach and like if you ever seen an interview or or anything that he's been on he seems like a very very humble appreciative really special type of person that just wants to help other people and really grateful for the position he's in he's not one of those young cocky superstars on on the shit he he doesn't seem like that type of guy not that it would be any you know less impactful he was but still the fact adds yeah he's so humble and and so grateful like just a couple weeks ago he was doing an interview speaking about how appreciative and grateful he was to be in the position to be able to play in the nfl like that's that's his dream you know it's just it's shitty but it sounds like things are looking up and fingers crossed he makes a full recovery and hopefully we get to see him back on the field one day or you get to see him because i definitely won't be watching (laughs) just because i couldn't care less i'm gonna i'm gonna get me a damar hamlin jersey that's for sure i'll I'll wear one of those for sure all right so let's get into some of this mma stuff then uh what do we think Ilya Tapuria? no we'll go with the jake paul stuff the jake paul stuff right even though i don't want to sound like an absolute hater uh harrington do you want to give us a statement on it all i've read all up on it but i like to you know, the reason I do this Harrington, is to give you your spotlight on the show as well. Not so it's all just me and Anthony. You know what I mean? And you have it, the statement right there. You're going to read it, and I'm not going to butcher it in my mind. Go ahead. I do appreciate it, Michael. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jake came out. Uh, apparently, he has signed a deal uh, with the PFL that does include ownership stake, a multi-fight, uh, multi-year deal. Uh, it'll be in the super division, uh, which is only going to take place on um, pay-per-view. Uh, as he said, fighters are entitled to half the revenue uh, accumulated from those pay-per-views. Uh, in addition, he says that he still wants to box. And he offered Nate Diaz the one and one. He'll box him, and then six months later, we'll fight him in the PFL cage. I mean, Nate Diaz used to fight at 155. Jake Paul's around 200 pounds. That's one box tick there. Nate Diaz is almost 40. You know what I mean? There's another box tick there. Uh, Jake, uh, Nate Diaz isn't really a boxer and doesn't hit as hard or as fast as Jake Paul. So, boom, box tick there. Granted, in mixed martial arts, you know, obviously he's got all his grappling, but. And this is no disrespect to Nate. He's not a strong wrestler. He's a boxer, striker, slash jiu-jitsu guy. So I don't they say, they say Jake's a pretty decent wrestler, too, right? That's what I heard. You know, he wrestled yeah, it was in like, high he was okay, yeah. a little bit, I believe. Maybe, yeah. I don't know too much about that, but this whole 50% nonsense, uh, the, 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 that's that's my main gripe with it. But who do you think it's gonna be? Do you think it's gonna be a Nate Diaz? And if not a Nate Diaz, I mean, come on. Everyone that he's fought so far has all been over the hill. Legends. Legends. Woodley. You know, Anderson Silva. Nate Robinson. Legend. Askren. Ben Askren. Come on. Uh, 
I mean, I'd love to see Askren against fucking Jake Paul in an MMA fight, though. Oh God! Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know There's a one in one. Once you give that guy one, he came to you. Go to him. But you know what this says to me, and I'm not being a hater, but this makes me beg the question. Apparently, from what I heard, uh, the Woodley the second one particularly didn't do well. The Anderson Silva yeah. fight didn't do very well, from what I hear, from what I read online. You know, um, so that would l- suggest that that whole experiment, that whole avenue is done because who else can you get? I mean, Anderson Silva is a pretty big name. And if you can't pull with him, you know, the goat, the spider, the guy with the most title defenses might be Demetrius Johnson. Uh, but, but if you can't pull, you can't do good pay-per-view figures with him, then it's over unless you start taking on actual legit boxers which is what he doesn't want to do. So now, okay, let's do a little a little U-turn. Let's go down this avenue. Let's sign with the PFL. Let's start our own subdivision and be a joint promoter. And I believe being a promoter, there is some conflicts of interest there as well. You're going to be a fighter and you're going to be a promoter as well. Do you know what I mean? Surely there's a conflict of interest there. I think you're onto something, Mike. I think that he said himself, I believe, that the Anderson Silva fight didn't do that well because he blamed it on Dana White. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not doing well. And I say this all the time. A lot of people like to treat MMA fans like they're stupid and you can pull the wool over their eyes and then they're, they, they'll just do whatever you say. They'll give up their money. MMA fans are not stupid. They're not uninformed. What they are, are intrigued by something that's new. So the Jake Paul experiment a couple times, I'm sure it worked. Like, well, let's just go see what this guy's about. Once they figured out that he was good and that, he wasn't going to fight anybody that was worth a shit as far as being competitive. I'm not saying how popular or legendary or whatever their, whatever their accomplishments were currently, if he's not going to fight someone who's going to be competitive, they don't care. They, it's not a freak show to them anymore. They, it, once you reach a certain, n- nothing against KSI, but he's continuing, continuing to be popular Dylan, that is dropped out of the case. I know, I know, I know. I know. I know. There's so many topics. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> but I, I, I think that KSI works because it's clear that he's not super high level and he's taking fights that are fairly competitive, like guys that can win. And people are intrigued by that because he's so popular in the UK. So that it's, he fights people that could actually beat him. So it works. But Jake Paul's not doing that. So he needs to do something different. And it, I'm telling you, like, at some point, he's going to run out of ideas and he's going to either have to stop doing this or he's going to have to fight someone that that, yeah. that is on his level or, or that's going to be competitive or there's a real chance of him losing. So, again, every time, and I always, like, preface this with, I'm not being a hater. And I'm not being a hater on Jake Paul. I'm not. I've got nothing against the guy. I, in fact, I don't even dislike him. Do you know what I mean? I actually find mm-hmm. him somewhat entertaining and, and, and it gives me a lot of stuff to talk about on the podcast on my YouTube channel. So please keep doing what you're doing. So I'm not being a hater, but Anthony, you're a fighter. I'm a fighter. We are surrounded in the fight game, right? This is us. It is, it is in our DNA, our fiber, our being as people, right? He is not, this is, and, and I do believe this, he's being a businessman. He is not trying to take on hard challenges he is not trying to test himself i remember my third ever i'd had two fights on the regional scene two guys no disrespect to you, i'm not going to say two bombs but two fighters you know the kind kind of guys that you fight 
with losing records in your first ever fight. My third fight, I accepted Hanato Babalusa Brown, right? And, and and that fight never went down. I ended up fighting the champ of KJ. Thank God, because I would have got mauled. Right? I didn't know an armbar for a fucking from an armor platter. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, but 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 I accepted it mm-hmm. against Babalu. He is strategically and with his manager, and I get it, they're all, what they're trying to do is make money for themselves. And hey, God bless them. Right. But it's just when you fight when you're when you're masquerading as this fighter that's gonna be a world champion that wants to fight Canelo Alvarez, that wants to fight the best guy, when you're spearheading a movement for the fighters. No, no, that's where I say no, stop it. That's not what you're doing. You're trying to hoodwink, you're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes, and you're trying to for money and for adulation and for fame and clout. And because everyone wants to be a fighter, everyone wants to be the toughest guy in the room. I don't give a fuck what you say, right? On my documentary, Michael Jai White. Have you seen my documentary, Anthony Smith? Yeah. Oh, you're a liar. But I, Michael Jai White uh, on that, and I'll let you talk in a second because I've been on a rant. He has this line, and it's beautiful. He says, because uh, he played Mike Tyson in a movie. Mm-hmm. He said, and, and he knows Mike Tyson. So everyone wants to hear a Mike Tyson story. He said, but being a pugilist in society or a fighter is held in higher regard than almost everything else. He said, you could be in a restaurant and you've got a former president over there. You've got a governor over there. But Mike Tyson walks in the room. Everyone turns, you know, in his prime or whoever that would be now, Tyson Fury or whatever, walks into a room or Francis Ngannou, you know, or Alex, the champ walks in the room and, whoa, that's something that all men fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they re- It resonates with them because right. that is a power that no, you can't, you know, th- th- that's a thing that speaks to us, that animalistic nature of being a man. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Women they don't crave have, it. they crave that. They create, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, that, that fueled me as a kid, that feeling, I wanted to be the best. I want to be the fighter. I want to be the champ. And that is what Jake's also trying to get that respect. He's trying to get people to talk about him like that. But he's not doing it the right way. He's looking for easy paydays. I'm glad you brought up the Mike Tyson thing because it reminded me of something. If, if for anyone that's ever been to a, a live UFC event, they always they pan the camera to different celebrities in, in that are in in the arena and in, in attendance, and they'll they'll go to basketball players, they'll go to football players, they go to, like I've seen them go from Tom Brady to Sylvester Stallone to Jared Leto to I mean all the you know like Halle Berry like all these celebrities, but when that camera goes to Mike Tyson, it's different. Like everybody cheers, ah, oh, Tom Brady, Halle Berry, like uh, Sly, you know, everyone's cheering. But when Mike Tyson shows his face on that screen, when it goes to him, it explodes the entire arena. And I think that that's what a guy like Jake Paul craves. And he's he's not going to get it. He like I like he's just not not doing it the way that he's doing it. Uh, I would respect him more if he took a really really hard fight, lost. Oh lost but was competitive and then went back to the drawing board fixed his problems came out took another fight maybe a little bit less tougher fight and then was you know and then wins and then you can see the progression but he's not willing to do that um i've actually started to be less of a jake paul hater once i realized that he's not because i thought for a while like 
man, this guy really thinks he's the shit. Like he really thinks he's better than, than all of us. He really thinks like Jake Paul really thinks he would beat me in a fight. And, and like, well, now I've realized like he, he doesn't believe that or, or he would be taking tougher fights. I would be embarrassed taking the type of fights that, that Jake Paul's willing and chases. Like I love Nate Diaz. He's one of my favorite MMA personalities. He's one of my favorite interviews to listen to. I love buildups to his fight. I can't, I can't tell you, I can't be a big enough, a bigger Nate Diaz fan. I'm not chasing the guy for a fight though. No, like it, it just feels wrong, you know? And that's how like, I've, I just had to accept that Jake Paul knows this is all fake. Like he doesn't actually believe the shit that he's saying. I it used to piss me off when I, when he would say things and it would just, it would just make my insides hot. Cause I'd be so mad because I thought he was really believing it. And now that I realize he's it's just an act, like he's just an, he's like a character. He's not, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's actually really interesting. That's how we should try and look at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you just made me think of something there as well. I remember recently uh, his brother, Logan Paul was on the Bobby Lee podcast. <laughs> did you see that? Did I you did, see yeah. it? You fucking see yeah. it? Uh, Bobby Lee's throwing names at Logan Paul and whether or not he'd beat him in a fight. And he goes, Michael Bisping. He goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd beat Michael Bisping. Well, oh, he paused. He paused first. He paused. He's like, he's he's like, like oh. and he goes, he's old. He's well, old. I, I am old. Bro, Logan Paul, man, <laughs> you fucking don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm very, very hard and tough. But the path that we've been on, the path that you've been on, how many professional fights have you had, Anthony? 50-odd? Yeah, 54, something like yeah. that. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, come on. It's a different path than being a goddamn YouTuber. I've beat tougher guys than Logan Paul on my way to a fight. Yeah, no, <laughs> sure. Exactly. But uh, I like watching uh, him in the WWE, though. I think he does a really good job. Oh, no, 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 for sure. He's a great yeah. entertainer. Yeah, uh, they do. He actually does a really good job over there. I've never watched him in it, but, but I don't doubt it for one second. Yeah. He's, he's entertaining. He's actually, he's he's athletic. He's high I was gonna flyer. Say, I was gonna he say takes he's risks. He's entertaining. Yeah. He talks well. He looks good. I'm sure mm -hmm. he's fantastic. But, yeah. bro, you don't want to be fucking locked down a dark alley with me after I've had six cans <laughs> of Sapporo. Okay? I will tear your fucking head off, Logan. You'll be, Ill, you'll be Ilya Taporia, and he'll be whoever the fuck that I other guy was. I will be arrested for manslaughter. Okay? You stick a couple of margaritas in me. Even if they're skinny, a couple of skinny margs, bro. I'll rip your goddamn head off. What's Perfect. a skinny marg? A skinny marg, it's a margarita with less sugar in it. It's oh, my okay. go-to. It's my go-to. I sound like okay. I sound like so feminine. Hey, do you do a skinny margarita? They're yeah. like, we do. I'm like, yeah. oh my with, with your Starbucks with almond milk and your yeah. own boots. I'm gonna need one of these every five <laughs> minutes. Okay. What movie is that? What movie is that? I'm gonna need one of these every four minutes or something and then i'm gonna oh man i feel like i know this movie sitting at the top of like a big skyscraper you've got a beautiful view in the background there's two very well-known actors one of the guys is like he's new to the job and they, and they go oh, i don't know oh, 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 oh. what is it oh, oh. Oh, wolf of wall street wolf of wall street god damn it that's a good one that is. I love that film. I love Damn that it. film. Uh, how would you give us the lowdown on what Elia Taporia has been doing? So I'm knocking the fuck out of people. <laughs> that was from a nasty I, left hand. <laughs> from what I can tell, Ilya Taporia is just playing golden tee golf or some such thing at a bar oh, oh, oh. here, minding oh, no, no, no. his own business. Where is yeah. this? 
This is at a bar, I believe, in Spain, uh, because that gentleman behind him is a famous Spanish singer and former professional boxer. Yeah, former for sure. Mm-hmm. Just back go back, it up, go back yeah, oh, go, yeah, yeah. Was it yeah, a right yeah. hand? Maybe it was a right hand. One, two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks. Yeah, ooh, that's right. Ooh, ooh. Look at the big cloud of smoke. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, hey, 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 listen. I was. He looks well sure. in his rights. I, I, he does look well within his rights. I wasn't sure at first. When I first saw it on Twitter, I thought it was Aaliyah throwing the first shot. And I was like, oh, dude. Then I watched it again properly. The guy comes up, gives him several big pushes, you know, gesturing mm-hmm. for a fight. I mean, hey, you know. And he got you, one. You play with fire, <laughs> you're going to get burned. What do you expect? Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I don't know if there's much to say. It's a it's a pretty nasty right hand. <laughs> it looked like it was started and ended pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah. Why would you pick a fight with that guy? Like, if you have any idea who he is, like, I could see someone picking a fight with, like, I don't know, uh, maybe me. Like, I'm not known as like the the. Can I knock people out for sure? But I'm not known as a knockout artist. I'm kind of a well-rounded guy. Like, I could see like someone be like, "Oh, I'm bigger and stronger. I'll beat that guy up." But like, Anthony, you're six foot four, covered in tattoos, and you've got a bald head, right? You're well known. You're fighting for the light heavyweight title potentially in a few weeks. You're not the number one first choice of someone to try and bully. Okay, like Neil Magny. I could see someone picking a fight with Neil Magny like in a bar and pushing him around or whatever and thinking they could get over. Neil Magny's very tall. He's well known. Yeah, he's but he's kind of skinny years. and he's a really nice guy he's smiling right. all the time. My point what, I, they, what I'm saying is Ilya Tapuria. Yeah, but he is fucking mighty. That he, If you know anything tiny. about no, no, no. he Ilya makes Tapuria. me nervous. He's mean. He's, he's a, mean. He's very good, but he's a small guy. This guy that goes over, play the video again. He looks to be way taller, way bigger. That's your classic bully. You walk over, you see someone smaller, whatever. You mm-hmm. maybe you've you've had a few drinks. Yeah. Hey, you know what this guy over there? Uh, you know, uh, he's supposed to be a fighter or some shit. I don't know. Hey, this oh. guy's famous too, right? No, the guy that started the fight with him. Yeah, he's like a famous. Oh, he does look big. It's like a Mexican rapper, I think. No, I think Harrington said earlier that he was hanging out with that dude. Yeah, that's not the guy that was starting to fight with him. So, so Elias minding his own business. The guy's just a total dick. Starting yeah. to fight with him, pushing him a few times. Dick. <laughs> it just goes to show you got to be careful who you're picking on these days. You know yeah. what I mean? Got to be careful. Serves him goddamn right. Well done, Elia Taporia. There. Where should we go with this? Dylan Danis pulled out. Did we want to talk about it? I mean, are you surprised? No. Did you see what did you see what Ariel said about him? Calling him a wet fart and stuff. Yeah, he it was a as a 10-7 for Ariel Hawani for sure. Oh yeah. Hawani's been going off lately. Uh you know, for 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 Dennis, this was the perfect opportunity, right? He's not mm-hmm. a fighter, sorry, he's not a boxer, so what? Right? For some reason, right, he is in the subculture of mixed martial arts, most people know his name, right? He's only ever had two MMA fights. I guess, you know. No one I have heard of in Bellator. He got two submissions. He gets gifted, and this is a gift from the gods almost to fight KSI. KSI isn't a massive celebrity outside of the YouTube slash celebrity boxing world. Well, he's a, he's a well established uh, pop artist slash rapper in the UK, massively popular. So because of that, because Dennis isn't a draw, but because of KSI, he's got 17 million subscribers on YouTube. I mean, that's ridiculous, that's right? Crazy. 17 million, right? 
that would have pulled, that would have done numbers just purely from KSI's fan base wanted to see him beat him up. And he would have got a huge payday. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out because apparently he hasn't got a trainer, he's overweight, and he's underprepared. Well, that's nobody's fault but your own. I mean, yeah. to use the expression fumbled the bag, that is an understatement. He could have just, no one expects Dylan Dennis to be good. He could have just showed up and lost and got paid. Yeah. But I mean, to Ariel's credit, you know, I I watched his uh, Ariel's interview with Dylan beginning to end. And, you know, I could tell the whole time, like, I don't, I don't think he's going to fight. Like it's, it's really, yeah, it seemed like the whole, like Ariel had asked him at one point in time, um, who's going to be in your corner? Who are you training with? And he was like, oh, I'm just kind of bouncing around training different places. Ariel was like, well, who's your head trainer? And he was like, ah, I don't really have one. Like right then I was like, yeah, he's not fighting. Uh, like, I don't think he ever had any intention of fight. I don't, I think he kind of screwed himself out of ever getting a big bag ever again. Because you can't, you can't trust him. There's no way. There's no way anyone's going to take that chance. And to be honest, Bellator might not even give him another shot either because nobody wants to promote a fight. Right. Think about it. I mean, I'm sure KSI is going to get a replacement. But promoters and stuff, you know, they spend a lot of money. They they promote the fights. There's all kinds of shit goes on. My God. It's just a fool. I mean, I think New York Rick, Ariel's guy, said one thing that, like the only thing that would make sense with Dylan Danis is put him on a Bellator card, on the undercard, and if he shows up, great. If he doesn't, you just fill the fight. Who cares? Yeah. Or scrap yeah, the whole thing. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, I'm just looking at the notes there because we don't want to chat, you know, spend too long on Dylan Dennis. And I'm just going through it. I mean, we had Bilal Muhammad on. Bilal, Bilal, what, what a great guy he is. You know, yeah. and a great interview. Always fantastic energy. Very smart. And what, what a career that he's having. Um, but I'm looking at number one and I'm, it's it's – Former UFC fighter Phil Baroni arrested in Mexico for allegedly murdering his girlfriend. And, of course, we don't know any details, you know, and it's not something that you want to play around with and have a laugh about. Yeah. Um, I know. Do, do you know Phil? I've never had any meaningful interactions with Phil Baroni. There for a while, he, he would randomly talk shit to me on Twitter. <laughs> like, really <laughs> random. Like, like Phil. Yeah, like like he would want to randomly have a jujitsu match or randomly do some sort of weird. It just it was weird. It was, but only over the last like I don't know four years. Probably nothing real recent. Maybe nothing yeah. in the last year. But Chris Camozzi was with the same. He was the same way. It was like me and Chris. He was constantly wanting to get into like to go do Chael's uh, submission underground. He was always trying to talk shit to get me to go do that. And I would tell Chael all the time like. Yeah, I mean, I'll grapple Phil Barone if he wants. And Chell would be like, no, we're not yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> if Phil, Phil, Phil could fight, but he's not exactly the best grappler. You know, right. I he came and helped me for some of my a couple of my training camps. When I fought Dan Henderson, he was in that the whole really? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know Phil. And uh, you know, he, he's he's a wild guy, you know, he's a fun guy. I like him. I like him. I don't agree with murdering people, you know, allegedly. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm talking about the person that I know. But he is a bit out there. And I remember in 2016, I went out to Thailand with the family for about three weeks. And uh, we did some training there, American top team, me and Callum, uh, American top team, Phuket top team. While mm-hmm. we're there, I thought I'm going to take Callum. You know, it's, it's too good of an opportunity not to. And when we're there, Phil Baroni's there. 
right? Phil Barone had been living out there for ages. And we just got there and I'm there with my wife and Callum and Ellie and Lucas. And we're just saying hello to the owner of the gym and stuff because he helped us out. And shout out to Boyd from Phuket Top Team. And there's Barone. And straight away, he's like, bro, we got to go out. we got to go out. I've got, I know all the places. I know what all the girls are. And these bitches are crazy out here. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you talking <laughs> about, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm starting, Lucas is like six or something. I'm like, right. dude. I'm here with my entire family. Read the room. Um, but you know what? So he's a wild guy. He's, he's, yeah. he's a lot of fun, though. He's a funny guy. But you know what? When I heard that story, none of us know anything about it. What I do know, and this is, I, I, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, really, but my mind just went to him and Stefan Bonner because they used to be like a tag team, didn't they? Yeah, they were buddies. They were tag team. And they team did like, they did like their, a bunch of the wrestling shit together. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wow. I mean... It was only, what, 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, you would see them always doing, like, these bits on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Now Stefan Bonner's dead. And now Phil Barone has been arrested for goddamn murders. What a crazy world we're living in. Yeah. I, I, read, a, I read, like, a tweet from... Um, was from Barnett, maybe? Right. Tweeted about him that, that, they, were, that they were pretty good friends. And, and, I don't know, maybe Harrington can look it up, but... That over the last handful of years or, or few years that uh, Phil had started to, you know, just maybe mentally and emotionally deteriorate, deteriorate uh-huh. and, and to the point where he couldn't even be around him anymore. And he used to book him for shows uh, to do some professional wrestling stuff and he couldn't even use him anymore. So uh, I'd seen a couple other similar tweets like that where you just kind of losing it over the last few years which is Sad. listen i'm i'm no doctor i'm no neurologist i don't I know, know where you're going though i know I, where I you're going i don't know shit about fuck but it's not an accident that there's some guys out there not just in our sport but in other sports that have some real severe head trauma and then over the years they start to change i know a guy personally that i trained with forever from the day that i started training i would never would never say his name publicly but he is not the same person that he was. He took a really bad knockout and then repeated knockouts after that. And he's not the same guy. He's, he's, he was so sharp. He was such a sharp, snappy dude, like really just good dude. And now I don't even recognize him when I see him. He's a different fucking guy. And you, you know, we've all, known people like that, you know, like, especially you and I, we, and we know guys that we started training with that are different people now. And it sounds from the stories that Phil was right along that, that line. I know that there's no way to diagnose CTE or, or anything like that before someone passes, but, um, I'd be interested to, to see how bad he's, you know, the, some, maybe some of the trauma and head, you know, between wrestling, the professional wrestling and yeah. the long years of training and the fights. And it just, just sounds like some head trauma stuff. That's exactly what it sounds like. And and what you're talking yeah. about there. Yeah. Again, without mentioning names, you do see it. And it, of course, mm-hmm. of course you, you haven't got to be a bloody scientist to correlate the two, you know, yeah. whether it is football, like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. boxers, mixed martial artists, right. you know, it's, it's hard and it's tough because this is what we sign up to do, you know? And I think when you're young, you don't, it's a risky job. It's a risky yeah. job. You know, the, 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 you can't dress it up any other way. Do you know what I mean? The number one goal is to knock your opponent out 
or choke them out. You know, if you're Damien May, you want to use your jiu-jitsu so you don't have to hurt anyone. Uh, you've learned you learned how to punch as well, Damien. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how Damien May. Um, but but yeah, of course, and and that does take its toll. And science has proved and and shown that you know. But that is why it's not for everyone. But it is just heartbreaking when you do start to see people that you know that you've trained with that do start to change over the years, you know, but that's why, that's why I'm always, you know, when you see these celebrity boxes and everybody wants to be a fighter these days and you're getting all these like YouTubers and, and, and celebrities getting involved. That's why I have a problem with it because it's like, you don't know what you're messing with here. You don't know what you're getting involved with. This isn't for everyone. This isn't a sport that you play at. You don't pick it up and put it down. This is a lifestyle. This is something that is, you're born into this, you know, it's who you are between your ears. It's what makes you tick. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you see it on TV and you think it's cool and you think, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a tap out t-shirt and a mohawk and a few bad tattoos and think I'm a fucking fighter. Do you know what I mean? No, that's not what it's about. It's, What's it's, this? it's, it's serious, serious business. I think that's the, the tweet from... Do you want to read it out, Harrington, from Barnett? Yeah, yeah. from Josh Barnett. Uh, the news about Phil Brony is terrible, incredibly sad, uh, tragic as well. I've known Phil for two-plus decades, and at the first JB Bloodsport show, could see that his personality and behavior was erratic, displaced, and emotional. Uh, and emotionally, he was all over the place, and it was obvious why. CTE. It was so tough dealing with him at the show that I couldn't keep booking him, even though I wanted to. He was too much to handle and so scattered. He blew up at me because I hadn't used him again. I've locked him on social media, but there wasn't much I could do. See, there you go. I mean, that, that that's, that's from the horse's mouth. That's from a guy that was having dealings with him. And, and obviously, man, that shit scares the shit out of me. You know, I, I think, I don't know if I've talked about that. I think I told you about this, but I was having some work done at my house and one of the guys that was working on the house said, Hey, you know, we got to get this long story short. They had to tear the carpet out of my stairs and then, and then do whatever they had to do. And then I had to get the carpet replaced. He was like, well, I got a really good guy. He kind of just, you know, he, he just kind of does it on the side because he, you know, he doesn't, he, he can't really do it full time. He's really good, kind of slow, but he does a great job. I said, yeah, fine. If it's your guy, then I'm fine with that. Um, turns out that the guy was a, old school boxer from back in the day and it had some really huge fights. He had headlined MSG like back in the, back in the nineties or early nineties or something. And God damn, I hope he doesn't ever see this, but he won't. It, it, we're on the, the number one Emmy uh, comedy it, slash MMA podcast on the planet, but he won't see it. Yeah. He won't see it. I hope he doesn't see it. But when he showed up, his, his hands were shaky and his, his, walking was super shaky and he wasn't that old of a guy of a guy and his his voice he could really struggled and stuttered and really really trembled through a conversation in a job that would have taken him typically i don't know three hours to do it took him nine because he just yeah. worked so yeah. slow because of the parkinson's brought on from uh, the repeated the repeated knockouts and headshots as a boxer and you know he know he knew what i what i did and and he, he just went on and on about how terrible boxing is and that, you know, you got a beautiful family, man. You got a beautiful home. He's like, you got to get out as soon as you can. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, the worst thing in the world, dude. I was so I was so appreciative for the time I got to spend with that guy. Yeah. Um, just hanging out as he was working on my stairs and stuff. But also, like, so terrified. 
like I can't fucking end up like that. You know, I'm like, I can't end up like, not that I'm ever afraid of ending up like Phil Baroni. I think that takes a certain type of person before the head trauma. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy what happens. Like some people make it through just fine. You know? No, I know. And and, and I'm so, I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. Listen, listen, old jokes aside, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm in Mm -hmm. pain. Oh, my back's broken. And I know I'll make light of it and I'll joke about it, but they tried a procedure and it didn't work. Right. And it's getting worse and worse. But and your brain's worse. clear. But your brain's well, clear. Most of the time. Ish. <laughs> Ish. You know, well, it's it's never been that good to start with. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, um, you know, I, I've got no knees. I've mm-hmm. got one eye. My neck's fucked. I'm doing this as other people are talking because I'm in pain with my neck. Do you want to do more surgeries on that? I've got a broken back. I don't want to, and, and I can only walk. We went to living spaces yesterday to buy this piece of furniture, whatever piece of shit it was as well. Anyway, but I'm there and like, I've got to sit down all the time because I'm in fucking pain. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, but I'm, I'm only 43. I still want mm-hmm. to do stuff. I don't feel sorry for myself. Do you know what I mean? And I don't have regrets. Do you know what I mean? I don't have regrets because I'm I'm so appreciative to the life that mixed martial arts has given me, but it does come at a price, you know, and I'm paying that price now. And my big fear is I'm I'm going to go see my doctor. I want to talk about my options. I've been reaching out to some stem cell guys. I'm going to speak to them. I'm just worried that in a few years time, I'm going to, I'm going to not be able to walk because of my back. That's what's really Mm -hmm. bothering all the other stuff. You know, the eye, it is what it is. You know, the knees, whatever. You know, they replace them. They'll need doing again in a few years. But the back, I always had a strong back. I never had an issue with the back. But having a broken back now and then them saying that they're going to have to operate and then the next vertebrae above that and keep going all the way to this, all the way up to my fucking skull. I want to be able to walk when I'm in my 60s. Do you know right. what I mean? So, so on that note, all that stuff, yeah. That's why I said before, people don't realize what they're playing with. This right. sport is not a goddamn game. Whether it's You're boxing, right. There's a price to pay. Like, there is a price to pay. You you're gonna have to pay entry at some point in time. It feels free when you start. Yeah. But when you leave, you're gonna pay. You're gonna. It's gonna cost you. Yeah. That's for sure. And I do, as you said there. You know, some people get away scot free, and I think, what the fuck? Why have I had to have two knees mm-hmm. replaced? Do you know what I mean? Right. Why did I have to lose an eye? Why did I have to? You have fucked neck, and you know. Yeah. If I can walk really- and I got my my faculties about me cognitively, I'll be happy. Yeah. Like I'll deal with the pain. I'll deal with all the bullshit. We'll go through the surgeries. We'll get the replacements. We'll fix it all. As long as I can walk and move with my kids. And the I main can, thing is, is, is the faculties. That's my the faculties. The faculties. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want my kids wiping my slobber off my face when I'm in my sixties. No it's, way. I don't want that. So you no. got your brain about you, Mike, all bullshit aside. Oh. I'll, put, I'll push you in a wheelchair if I have you to push me in a I'll, wheelchair, brother. We'll get you where you got to go. Well, I'm going to the pub. So <laughs> as long as you have a drink with me, buddy. All right, let's have a quick talk about FitBod. Listen, we're all trying to get in shape. We all want to work out. We all want to stay lean. We want to be healthy. We want to be more desirable. But sometimes you don't know what to do in the gym, okay? Or your workout routines get stagnated. Well, that is where FitBod comes in because, look, listen, yeah, so well and good. If you can afford it, if you're loaded, working with a personal trainer, it's great but it's expensive. You know, sometimes you do it for a small period of time. Maybe you think I'm going to splash out, but year round, doing that year round, two, three, four times a week, once a week even, it's a lot of money. That is where FitBod comes in because 
It's a smart workout app for one. Let's just get that on the table. It creates custom dynamic exercise programs for you based on your goals, experience, and the equipment you have available. And then it varies your routine to help stop the boredom and to stop your overtraining. It has an algorithm that uses data and analytics to scientifically build your best next workout so you can maximize your results. You can see all your charts, you know, you got your muscle usage, your recovery, your achievements, all the progress that you're making, you can see it all right there in the app. So you get to see it in real time and, and a display show and all the progress that you're making. So you get that, you know, get that extra little bit of feedback. You're in control with workouts designed just for you. So you're getting exactly what you need. And as I said about those, uh, you know, working with a personal trainer, well, for less than the cost, of one session with a personal trainer, you can now get a full year of personalized workouts with FitBod. You fit exercise into your schedule because, listen, it's down to you, in it? Because the best time of the day to exercise, it's whenever you like and whenever you're free. By the way, it works with Apple iOS, all those devices, app is easy to use. It's got video tutorials on the exercises, so it makes learning all the new exercises a breeze. Trust me, you're going to love this one. And we've got a great offer. Go to fitbod.me slash believe, right? If you do that, you're going to get 25% of your subscription or you can try the app out for free when you sign up to fitbod.me slash believe. 25% off or you can just try it for free. You're going to love it. Listen, there's no reason to not work out with this thing. You can do it at home. You can do it at the gym. You do it very, very cheaply as well. And you're going to love it. You're going to get results and you're going to thank me. But you're going to go to fitbod.me slash believe 25% off. I think we've been through most of the stuff there, Harrington, right? And we don't have all day anyway. Uh, What should we do? Should we go to questions or should we do one more topico? What should we do? What should we do? We got questions, Brian? We got good questions? Yeah, we got good questions? We got some good questions today. All right. All right. Well, let's go through some questions then. Let's see what we got. And you know the drill by now. If I answered it, answered it. Can you do it? I don't think I can. I'm going to try. Uh, do it. No, you you do it one more time. No, I'll no, no, something. just do it. What's the what's the email address? Uh bympod at gmail.com, right? There you go. That's what it's So send us your goddamn questions to bympod <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh the the quicker and the funnier the better. Because you know Michael gets all upset when you got a 47 oh. minute long question. Jeez, so Louise. I really enjoy this part of the show, by the way. I don't know. If I've voiced that enough, and maybe if I voice it more, people will send more questions. But it's one of my favorite parts is the fan questions, like the listeners and the yeah. call in. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts. It's my favorite part of the show. Same here, because we get to see the people. We get The video questions are awesome, because we get to see some of the listeners mm-hmm. and who the believers are and get to put a face to them, you know? And then right. I love... You know, all right, sometimes, with respect to you all guys, sometimes they're, they're very surface-level MMA questions, but I love it when there's something that isn't. Like the one time that guy that had the addiction issue. Yeah, you know, that was the, great. The, the, the guy that was... It was fucking awesome that he was addicted to heroin. No, that's not what we're saying, but we like to talk about something else. We want to hear your issues, your problems, what's real, what's really happening mm-hmm. with you people, you know? And, and it gives us something new and interesting to talk about, but maybe we can bestow a little of our wisdom what little we have onto you and it gives us something different to talk about brian and we also want to know how often you guys google yourselves yeah yeah exactly <laughs> do you google yourself uh so i guess with that oh, oh, oh harrington shows okay. up eventually. I, 
I just wanted to let people know that if you're enjoying this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts, make sure you're subscribed and you leave a five-star rating positive review. It helps out on those platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you hit that notification bell to find out whenever new episodes drop. And if you want to catch over 400 episodes of this show ad-free and uncensored, head to GasDigitalNetwork.com. Use the promo code BYM. Get a seven-day free trial. Check out over 20 great shows on the network. All right. All right. Let's go. So the first question we have here today is from Raymond. Raymond. What's going on, guys? I got three questions. Try to keep it short and sweet. Number one, have you ever fought sick and how did it affect you? I'm talking like stuffy nose, sore throat, chest on fire, anything like that, uh, as opposed to injuries. Number two, who's the weakest puncher you ever fought? Inside the octagon, I'm not talking like a Bourbon Street bastard. We all know he hit. That's what I thought of straight away. And number three, this one is silly, but uh, can you tickle somebody to get out of a submission? Because my girlfriend will tell you that shit works. It really does. Maybe not with the journaling on, but it, it works. Um, I apologize if any of these questions have been answered already. Here, I can fuck you. Yeah, there we go. Well, we haven't got a lot of we haven't got a lot of fuck Harrington's lately. I've got a fuck Harrington t-shirt design. It's awesome. Yeah? Oh yeah. Oh, it's yes. brilliant. It's brilliant. It's coming out I soon. Like, the- I feel like the believers have really switched over to Team Harrington. Yeah, no, they have. That's why I've done a t-shirt. This is yeah, we gotta get back to fuck Harrington. To remind everybody. That's not true. There's a lot of them that still come in. It's just they're on the end of very long diatribes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, this, well, if you want to fuck Harrington this, to get through, you got to shorten your question up. <laughs> well, this fuck Harrington t-shirt, though, is sick. Where do you see the design? We've got oh, a great design. We're going to launch it properly. Uh, but, Harry, uh, Anthony, who was the weakest punger you ever faced? Well, they all suck. <laughs> um, yeah. I've never been hit and been like, oh, I would enjoy that again. Yeah, uh, correct. That's why I'm struggling to think of a name as well. Yeah, Most times yeah, when you get know. hit from a professional fighter that's made it to the UFC, you know what I mean? There's not really any of them that you want to take again. Like I remember, I mean, people always say he was the hardest hitter. I guess i got to go with Dan Henderson. That guy can crack. I remember when Brian <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian Stan hit me, he, he had a pretty good right hand on him as well. you know. But the, I don't believe there was anyone where I got hit and thought, that's nothing. Let's go yeah. again. No, I don't know. There's guys that I haven't been hit clean by that, you know, like if I'm thinking hardest punchers, like, you know, Volkanovs, Demir can crack. Um, Oh, yeah. No time. Yeah, he can crack for sure. I'd probably say like Andrew Sanchez. He hit me a lot, but none of them were like life changing. You know, they didn't hit me and, and I didn't I don't remember thinking I need to make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, it's wasn't a nice that feeling, though, isn't it? That you know, it you, you know, you know, when you get caught because the thing that people, I mean, are you the same? Obviously, it's like the pre-fight anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. It's always like this guy's known for being a hard-hitting guy. Can I take his best shot? Shit, he's a really good wrestler. Can I stop the takedown? He's known for amazing jujitsu. Am I good enough to be able to stop getting submitted? You have all these questions, and they all get answered in the fight. You know yeah. what I mean? And then when you get clipped, and you're like. Just, well, that wasn't that bad. Right. Like, I don't <laughs> I, like it, but I yeah. could do it again if right. I had to. <laughs> that is not what I thought it was going to be. And then when yeah. they try to take you down, you're like, hold on a minute. Fuck off. Get off me yeah. on the fence. He's not that good of a wrestler. Tries mm-hmm. to armbar you like, no, you don't, you dickhead. 
You've got nothing for me. The anxiety was over nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Who have you ever fought sick? We've all, we've all fought injured. That's yeah. that's a given. But yeah. you're fought yeah. like really sick. I've trained. I've been sick in training camps. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think I've gone in with like a really bad cough or a flu mm. or anything like. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Me either. I haven't either. Yeah. But yeah. same thing. I've I've been in training camp sick as shit before though. The tickling thing, we're not going to go into detail about it. It doesn't work, okay? When someone's deadly serious trying to murder you with a submission, because certain submissions will kill you. And if, because like, I do this with Lucas on the couch last night, we were rolling around doing jujitsu and whatnot, you know, and I always just like slip my finger into his ribs and he goes mm-hmm. crazy. Do you know what I mean? When it's serious, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work. No, it doesn't. Otherwise, they would teach it in jujitsu class. Do you know? Well, how you got to remember, like, pain kind of tends to, dissipate when your adrenaline's pumping and you're correct you're you're going hard as shit and you're fighting against another grown-ass man Hold that on. wants to take your head off it's like, not gonna work like you've seen guys like let their arms break at arm bars to get them out you know what yeah, i mean like yeah if if pain is is that dulled by the adrenaline a tickling isn't gonna do shit as you said people let their arms break. i wish someone would though what tickle you would, i no, I I just wish it would work. Are you <laughs> ticklish? Got you in a tight, are, are you like ticklish? A, like oh, like, awfully, awfully. Yeah, ticklish. yeah, I'd say I'm yeah. pretty ticklish. Every time like, I, I do get a massage when I'm on my back and they start mm-hmm. doing a certain area, I'm like, oh. they're like, yeah. what's wrong? I'm like, oh. You make that noise to it. It's a little ticklish. <laughs> yeah, I'm ticklish uh, as shit. All right, Brian, what else, bud? All right, we got another question here from Mr. Edward Eaton. Hey, guys, morning, afternoon, love the pod. My one question is for you both. Quick one. Do you think the whole woke culture and the whole new generation of people being softies is going to eventually affect MMA and UFC within trash talk? Or do you think we'll always go that shit and say things to each other's mothers and whatever? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, that is a good question. It is, yes. because the world has gone too soft. It's gone completely the other way. Yeah, we've got to be respectful to people's opinions and all the rest of it, but these days people are just looking to be offended at each and every goddamn avenue, and I hate it. I absolutely goddamn detest it. You know, and I was, you know, one of the worst things, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I was talking about this last night, is people getting cancelled for tweets or something that they said 10 years ago. That Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. That there needs to be some kind of, not a law, because that would never get passed, but some kind of rule or something in place where, or even a law, where you cannot be held accountable for something that you said 10 years ago, if it was acceptable to say that, because times change, cultures change. What you might have been able to say 10 years ago, if that doesn't fly now, if you could say it then, you can't be fucking punished for it now and you can't get cancelled now. Because back then, no one cared. And that's how the the, the society or the culture was. You know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. because times change, you know, you can't be Why are we okay with it, it with movies? Like what movies you- and like, like Django was just fine at the time. Django? Yeah, the movie Django Unchained. Oh, Django Unchained. With, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that that was told you could never make that movie now. But there's so many movies, there's so many shows. Right. You know, For like, sure. like the British version of The Office, I've been watching that recently. It's mm-hmm. hilarious and it's only from like 2001. You couldn't a lot of the stuff that gets said in that and I'm not going to repeat it. See what I right. mean? What a world we live in. Um it's you just couldn't do it. 
You just mm. couldn't say it. But that's what makes it so great. And that's what makes them so funny because it's just people being fucking real without the fear of being cancelled, of being penalised, of being held in the court of public opinion and some fucking arsehole saying, no, I'm offended by that. If, you, if you're offended by it, don't watch. Turn it off. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the world Unfollow. Crazy. <laughs> Unfollow. I, I felt so bad for Kevin Hart just a, just a handful, of, just a couple years ago. He was going to host the, the Grammys. Oh, the, the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah, he was going to yeah. host the Oscars. It was like something he had said seven years or eight years before on Twitter. And it was like a, a like a gay joke. It was very clearly. No, no, joke. no. He, he said, because this is in this Ricky. I was watching Ricky Gervais, Supernature. Have you seen it? Okay. Uh-uh. Bro, you will. The comedy? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comedy special. It's him yeah, on it's a special. Yeah. Bro, watch it tonight. You will laugh. You will die. What's it called? Supernature. Is it new? No, it's, it's about a year old, maybe 18 months or so. I don't know. I forget. There's a few. But Supernature, I was watching. We, we've, we've seen it before as well. But we were led in bed last night howling, howling. And he talks just about this. And what it was was uh, Kevin Hart he made a joke a while ago. And he said, oh, I hope my son's not gay or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then he came out and everyone attacked him. And he went, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they deleted the tweet. Right. But then years later, when he was going to host the Oscars, they're like, no, you've got to apologize again. And he said, no, I'm not apologizing again. And yeah. then Ricky Gervais elaborates on it, saying, well, what's the point in apologizing in the first place if it's not going to be accepted? And then he has to do it 10 years later. And fair play to Kevin Hart. He said, you know what? Stick your fucking Oscars up your ass. Right. Fair. Oh, I, I just don't hold, like you said, the world is a different place 10 years ago. So uh, there's yeah. got to, you can't hold someone to the same, unless it's something Obviously, there's there's going to be caveats. There's going to be things that you know you that maybe you can. But for the most part, I'm a different person. Shit that I did and said ten years ago, I I, I don't want to. I don't want held against me right now. No, That's, it just doesn't seem fair. I mean, like I've I mean, thought about going back and deleting maybe shit that I posted on Instagram or something back in the day or t- Twitter. But like, fuck it, I whatever. I mean, sounds like a very time-consuming process. Um, yeah. Do, do you know? Do you know what? And I think about this because I feel for kids these days as well. Because mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, I'm I'm even older than you, but when I grew up, and certainly in the mid '90s when I started hitting the pubs and going to the clubs, the only thing you had to worry about was somebody seeing what you were doing and maybe telling someone about it. Right? <laughs> these days, everyone's got the phones out. Everything's mm-hmm. being filmed. Oh God, I am so glad it wasn't like that when I grew up. Number right. one, people aren't living in the moment. But when you're going out enjoying yourself, and when you're young, of course you overindulge and you might do something stupid. Every prick has got a camera these days. It's just, yeah. and that's going to haunt you forever. Well, even even you and I now, like when I, we work a lot of events in all these different cities, and and we're in Vegas a lot. And like, there's a lot of times where like I'll think man, I think I'm going to go down to the hotel bar, you know, or, or the casino bar. I'm going to go have a drink or something. But it's like, so that I'm like, so someone then takes a picture of me, you know, like yeah. my my great friend, Laura Senko, <clears throat> like lots of times we've worked together, same pay-per-views and, she, we, you know, we'll say, hey, let's, you know, I'll meet you at the little Chinese place down there or whatever. Let's go get a drink and get some food. And then it's like, constantly you're just worried about someone taking a picture and they're going to tweet it. It's going to look bad. And you know what I mean? So then you got to like cover your bases all the time. Like, Text your wife. I'm going to dinner with Laura Singh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like well, we had it recently. Like, right. I, I, we were going to meet at the bar, 
Mm-hmm. And as we walked out, Laura Sanko was sitting there in this sushi place. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was waiting for you. And I thought, well, I'll wait and chat to Sanko. You right. know, and then yeah, of course, some fans came by and like, yeah, I'm I'm not sitting having a fucking date with Laura Sanko. I'm waiting <laughs> right. for Anthony Smith. But you, oh, but you gotta then, be, you, you gotta make that clear in case later on they're like, I seen Anthony Smith and Laura Sanko on a date. Like, no, but no, no, no. I've that already, night, I've already covered that. That that night, I was I was texting. I thought I was texting you, but I was texting my wife as well because I said I was going to go meet you, and then I text. Yeah, I told Rebecca I'm meeting you at the bar. And then mm-hmm. I text you thinking it was Rebecca saying, no, I text Rebecca thinking it was you. I said, right. yeah, I'm at the bar with Laura Sanko. <laughs> She's like, I thought you said you were going to go meet Anthony Smith. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 but she yeah. just happens to be here as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> fucking that was a dumb thing. <laughs> yeah, like that's the that's the culture though with phones. Like you got to make sure that you're completely covered all the time be, or else it'll look away that is in perception yeah, is reality. Yeah. Sadly, it is. Uh, and and in, to answer the question, because we've gone round the houses, yeah. in terms of trash talk, I I don't I, I don't think it would go too woke because I believe fighting sports is different. I think there is a, there's an unwritten rule, in my opinion, that you leave people's wives, children, family members out of it. Other than that, mm-hmm. fair game. I think you can say whatever you want about the about the fighters themselves in question, yeah. their skills to a certain degree, maybe some of their team or their coach or whatever you know they're the guys that are going in anyone that's going to be around the peripheral of the octagon or in there they're fair game anyone else families girlfriends wives children i say leave them out you know other than that and for the most part it has been yeah for the most part you know a couple times connor's gotten a little bit out of hand colby's dropped a little thing colby has yeah but for the most part it stayed pretty Pretty in you know in fair you know what Mike I mean? Tyson fair. didn't know he was mental he, yeah, was, eating, no. he was eating people's children eating people's children he was gonna he was gonna until yeah then. it was fucking terrible he some of the shit he said gonna- <laughs> have we said that to a journalist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> god damn He's crazy I think man. in fight sports I think it's trash talk though it's different in fight sports because you can actually fight about it yeah you know like you it's gonna get figured out. Most of the time. Say whatever you want. Say whatever you want because we're going to be locked inside a cage with each other. And Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pay for those words. You're going to have to back them up. Really? I'm a pussy. You can beat me. You're going to knock me out. Yeah. Yeah, Well, we're going to find out. Where was that ass whooping you were bringing? We're going to find (laughs) out. Uh, Brian, give us one more, please, my friend. All right. So we got one more here. It's from Connor from Ireland. Not, Not the fancy one. All right, lads. Connor here from Ireland, by live in Bulgaria. Send the question in. Hopefully, it gets answered this time. Uh, anyway, two questions. One MMA related. One not MMA related. First one MMA related. What's your opinion on fights at the apex? My opinion, opinion of many, is that they're way past their sell-by date. How can you justify? putting fights on in an empty hall when everywhere is open. Fans want to see fights. The whole event, the whole spectacle seems 10, 20 times better when there's a live audience. At the the apex, it's just dead. Okay, Mike, it's convenient for you. It's a two-hour driveway. I get it. it. What's your opinion on it? He pegged you. What is your Spotify wrapped? All the lads, Anthony... Harrington, Mike, and Brian, let me know. 
All the best. Ciao. Nice one, lad. Yeah. What was the What was the second question? What is your Spotify wrapped? And I saw people going on about that a while ago. I don't even know how to bring that up. How yeah, do we do that, Harrington? What is the Spotify wrapped? I think it's your main shows that you like. But how do you access that? Because I saw you posted on your Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so you need to you need to go into the app. Unfortunately, though, I think the time has passed. Oh God. I don't even think you can check it anymore. So what uh, was it? Just your top podcast or your top music? All of it. Like it, it shows you like your your like what you spent the most time listening to, whether it's podcast or or uh, uh artist, and it breaks down like what podcast listen to the most, what artists yeah. listen to the most, et cetera, et cetera. Anthony, you you use the app called Spotify, I'm assuming. I don't. Oh god, don't. come on. No, I'm an Apple music guy. You don't use Spotify, it's free. I don't. Yeah, Is but it's one? got it's got commercials and ads. The music doesn't really zero zero zero. Oh ads. no, no, I'm. I was going to say read out because if you go to your light song playlist and then you know randomly play five, what would you come up with? I oh. wanted to go one a piece and see how embarrassing that would be. Oh, it's not no. quite the same thing. I'll do it no. though. Harrington, do you want to do it? Do you want to go back and forth with me real quick? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Top I mean, it's five. probably all going to be the same thing, but. Well, no, just just go to your like songs, then please sh- uh, make sure the shuffle function is on, and then okay. press play and skip forward five times. So I'll do it first. My first one is Method Man. No, uh, what is it? Hold on. Wu-Tang Clan, Gravel Pit. Okay. Which is a good song. I'm not embarrassed about that at all. I'm okay with that. Strong. Late stage Go Woo. It's pretty solid. Uh, Pictures on My Phone by Wheeler Walker Jr. Don't know it whatsoever. I would say play. Wheeler but- Walker Jr. Okay. Yeah. He's know. like a silly country music. Yeah, it's like a, like either funny songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My next yeah. one is "It's Like That" by Run DMC and Jason Nevins. The 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 remix, you know, the the like the house music one. That's a good tune. These are good. These are good. What have you got, right. Hamilton? Uh, man, I guess I really like country. It's "How Country Feels" by Randy Hauser. I right. use that as a I use that as a walkout song a long time ago. Really yeah, rules. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that later. Let me skip. It's uh, Miss Jackson by Outcast. Let's go. <laughs> these are all these are all hippity hoppity, but I've got lots of different ones on here. But it's throwing out all the uh, the urban flavors. Go ahead, what have you got? Mine is so uh, much different than yours, guys. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I got. I've got uh, this boy's got every single one is a rap song. I've just got. There is not a single. I must be on a rap. <laughs> What was your next one, Harrington? Uh, Breakfast Club by DJ Z Trip. DJ Z Trip. Yeah. Oh, no, I've got hip hop turned on. That's why I didn't even know you could do that. Right. Okay. Right. Now I see. Right. Right. Okay. So next one Grab Embrace by Gravity. I'm sorry, Anthony. You've got Apple Music. Get Apple Music on. Give us your songs. You can still well, have to be the same app. Embraced by Gravity sounds like something that would be on one of my playlists. It sounds very metal. <laughs> no, it's not. It's very, it's very melancholy for one of it's kind of a oh, sad song. Man. It's very it's in your feels. Next one, it's all over now. The animals. The hmm. clash, London's calling. Ah, uh, there it is. Uh, oh, made for me. It's my all my favorites. What have you got? People want to know the kind of music you're into. Okay, it's really funny, Harrington. The first one is How Country Feels by Randy Hauser. Get out of town. <laughs> I swear to Good God. Asshole. Same one. Right. I need I need yeah. to down, well, I need to put that in the thing. Every yeah. breath you take by the police. Pony by Genuine. 
<laughs> Let's go. Old oh, man like Kanye West. Times like these Foo Fighters. Ooh, this is a good song. Creature by Jelly Roll. You should you know, download that one. Do you know it's a this good song. One? Baker Street, George Rafferty. You know that one. I don't song? know that one. Winding your way down to Baker Street. Smiling your face and the it's another crazy day. Tripped another way. Jelly Roll was at Skinkfest? Everything. Who's Jelly Roll? Yeah, Jelly Roll was at Skankfest. He was he ended up being uh like around and we got him to show up. That's yeah, dope. Playing, yeah, he's playing a concert on He was in uh he was in Omaha, I don't know, two or three months ago and text me uh because he was doing a show, but I was the hell was it i was coming actually you know it was longer than that i was coming back from aruba i wasn't i wasn't even in the country so i missed him all right well i don't know who jelly roll is but i'll be sure to look him up you got to listen to some jelly roll you'd like jelly roll i'd like it i like i have a very eclectic taste uh and i think that's the show guys that is it i'm off skiing out today in about i've got a i've got a go skiing i'm going skiing with a broken back rough, and no knees. Rough, rough life. Broken back, no knees, one eye. With your, idea, your, your first idea is to go skiing. No, Lucas wants to go skiing. He wants to go to the snow. And I promised him he would. And I'm not going to let him down. So me well, and a mate and, and his daughter, we're going to a place. We're staying in, a, in a, an Airbnb, a cabin for one night. Going to get a steak tonight. Sit in the hot tub. And then tomorrow we're hitting the slopes. Right? Well, be careful. I'll, I'll, I'll try. And you're going okay. back to training. I am. We'll train hard, Anthony Smith. I got you. We want you to win if you get to fight. <laughs> let, let me ask you real quick. Is the motivation still the same? Because I, I've never been in your position ever. Yeah, because I'm not really focused on the title fight. Because um, I'm fighting in March no matter what. So I would be, I'd be here in Denver in camp anyways. <sighs> During at this time for a March right, 11th right. fight, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. what we're still what they're still sure. playing on. So like, regardless, uh, I'm just, you, you still yeah. I just have to I just have to dip out to Brazil for a week, yeah, you know, yeah, during yeah. it. So, all right, that uh that Thursday show though will be from beautiful Brazil. Oh well, yeah. we appreciate that. Uh, well, listen, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Big shout out Bilal Mohammed uh, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Shout out Anthony Smith for making this happen whilst training in Colorado. We appreciate you, brother. And that's it. You guys take care. We'll be back on Monday. Oh, we got Leon Edwards next week, next Jeez. Thursday. We got the champ Leon. We've got Valentina Shevchenko coming on as well. Right, the bullet, the long time champ. We got guests galore. Stay with the show. We are going crazy. Take care.